In the AM, Monday morning on this uh, Erev Tishabov. Uh, Eicha is tonight. Tishabov begins this evening. It's Monday on this August 4th, the 8th day of Menachem Av. And an interesting week, a week that'll go from uh, the sadness of Tishabov all the way to the uh, comfort of uh, Shabbos Nachamu. Uh, we are here today and tomorrow, tomorrow with a special kino service that we'll be conducting with uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser. Wednesday, Matis will be here at JM in the AM for the traditional 10th of Av stories of Reb Shlomo Kalbach. On uh, Thursday, we'll be broadcasting live from Jerusalem and uh, Friday from Steyrot as we get ready for uh, an amazing journey to the Holy Land during this very interesting summer of 2014. Rabbi Beryl Wine is... Um, Somebody who has been uh, treating us to some amazing lectures during the period of the nine days, and uh, today is no exception. Uh, we start with his analysis of uh, Eicha as we go to chapter one of the Megillah that we read this evening in synagogue um, on Leil Tishabov. Coming up later on in the show, Yossi Balma will be joining us from Steyrot, and... Uh, other special guests will be joining us. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. One of the constant themes in the uh, Megillah of Echad is the uh, memory of what Shalayim uh, once was. It's the sense of loss. And really, uh, psychologically, in human life, the lingering effects of tragedies, God forbid, is always the sense of loss. The sense of what once was and no longer is. So we see, for instance, in Possum Zion, Zohra Yerushalayim Yemeyonya Umrudel. Yerushalayim in its exile remembered how the Churban occurred, remembered that it once was great, and that now it is brought low. All of the beloved things, all of the good things that Yerushalayim had in previous years are all gone. In the full Amor the people have fallen into the hands of the enemy. They know and there is no one to help. I, I've always felt that to uh, really have the background for the book of Eichel, 
one has to know a little of the book of Yirmiyahu, it's the, the prophecies of Yirmiyahu himself. And uh, Yirmiyahu, uh, in his prophecies, uh, decries the reliance of the kings of Yehuda on help from foreign governments, especially from Egypt. Uh, Ju Judah had an alliance with Egypt, and in the event that the uh, Babylonians attacked, uh, the Egyptians were supposed to come to the aid of Yehuda. But Nebuchadnezzar, uh, aware of the alliance, attacked Egypt first, and in all practical sense destroyed the Egyptian army. And then, so, uh, then when he came up from the south, from Egypt, to conquer Judah, there was no one left to come to the aid of Yehuda. But the Nazi cautions that even if Mitzrayim would have been there, they wouldn't have come to help. That all the promises are only on paper, but that you can't rely on them. And in fact, we see in the Nazi that he mocks them, and he says, well, where are all of your friends? Where's everybody that was going to support you? Where are your lovers? Meaning the nations of the world. And uh, there's a, uh, all of these words are said in prophecy. So there's an eerie sense here of the isolation of Jewish people in times of terrible trouble such as the Second World War, the Holocaust, or uh, the Six-Day War in 1967, or to even a lesser extent today, but still to some extent, our situation in the world today. He knows everyone. Nobody's coming to help you. Nobody's interested in your case. Rauhu sorry. Oppressors, enemies saw the situation of the, of the Jewish people. And they laughed over uh, the uh, destruction of the land of Israel and uh, Jerusalem. The Jewish people, and not, they were not, not only were they not concerned, they enjoyed it. So anyone who has read uh, any books on the Holocaust, there are a number of books I think that should be read, as painful as they are to read. One is by Martin Gilbert, called The Holocaust. The other is uh, The War Against the Jews uh, by Lucy Davidovitz. And then the third book is Edie Wiesel's book called Night. I think that those three books will uh, more than suffice. But the, it's, it's the utter desperation of being alone, of being laughed at, of being mocked, which the Novi describes here, the symbol of the Purim. Now the Novi turns to the question of why. The question of why is always uh, the most difficult question to answer. They say, uh, that there once was a philosophy exam at the Sorbonne, 
and the professor put on the blackboard one question, why? And there only were two correct answers possible. One correct answer was because, and the other was why not? So why does not have easy answers? Especially when we deal with the inscrutable uh, God whose infinity defies our finite sense of logic and of fairness. So we don't know why. And because we don't know why, so then the problem is compounded. So then it becomes a matter of faith. Being able to accept, so to speak, God's judgment, whether it be on a personal level, God forbid, or on a national level. Those people who give uh, glib answers to why, who know, for instance, why a Holocaust occurred, in my personal opinion, are doing us a great disservice, as well as being very arrogant. Because how do they know God's mind? So here the Nobody says, but again, you have to see it in the backdrop of his constant orations to the Jewish people. For 25 years he's telling them this is going to happen because of the fact uh, that you uh, are idolaters, because of the fact that you're corrupt, because of the fact that uh, all of the uh, servants of God are not godly. It's only a job. So, there's a sin involved here. If there always is a sin, but to identify the sin, the one has to be anointed. Al came the Nido Hoyosa, and therefore it became someone that is excluded, became an untouchable. All of those who previously gave honor to the Jewish people and to Jerusalem now treated her cheaply. She lost any stature in their eyes. Kiroku Ervoso. They have seen her nakedness. And here, this is an idea that we find in the Nevi'im all the time. Really, uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, there are very few people in the world who are attractive naked. That's why we have clothes. We have ambiance, we have atmosphere, that's why in a restaurant uh, it's always dark. Because the attraction is, uh, so to speak, in the impression rather than the reality. So in the Tanakh, whenever they speak about nudity, they don't speak about it as being attractive, but rather as being, in a sense, repulsive. The glamour has been taken away. The mystery has been taken away. I just saw a, uh, an article, uh, I think it was in the magazine of the New York Times, uh, about the rise of sexual dysfunction in our society. It's a, a great field to go into because 
and almost no normal person left. And they attribute it simply to the fact that sexual immorality, all the standards have been removed so that it's so exposed, and it's exposed when a child is six, seven years old, so that in all of the knowledge, the sense of mystery is lost, and the sense of mystery is lost, and instead of becoming attractive, it becomes repulsive. I remember when I grew up, which is a long time ago, but I still remember it, that there's a Gemara in Tzubis dealing with Aftes, the first block of Gemara. You'll notice the Gemara doesn't shy away from any subject. The Gemara sees human life as always being holy. Everything. We know the people in the world that make a blessing after coming out of the bathroom. There are no scatological jokes in Judaism. There are no obscenities in Hebrew. All the obscenities have to be borrowed from a different language. Because we view the human body and human behavior as essentially godly. And that includes sexual behavior as well. So the Gemara there discusses that if a man marries a woman on the presumption that she's a virgin, and he finds that she's not a virgin. And so the Gemara discusses, you know, whether that's grounds for annulment, whether it's grounds for not paying the tzubit, or whatever, etc. It doesn't prove anything. Oh, very difficult block in the Gemara there. There are major league toasts in on it. It's one of the major wondish in Yonim, right? Well, we were 14 years old, and I'll tell you the truth. We're 14 years old, and we didn't know what the heck they were talking about. The Rebbe didn't explain it either. So that's like, you know, so I'm Neanderthal, right? Because today, any four-year-old kid watching television knows already everything. There's no no mystery left in life. And the loss of the sense of mystery contributes to all sorts of dysfunctions. The whole concept of Taras and Mishpocha, etc., all of that was to keep the mystery going. But when it's all gone, so then, you know, it's just plain nothing. There's a famous uh, statement by the Klichemdo. Klichemdo was written by a great Polish Gong who lived in the early part of the 20th century. Mayor Don Plutsky was his name. He was a Going all of them. He was a tremendous, tremendous genius in learning, and he was an orator. He was one of the leaders of Polish Jewry. So he has a sefer called Klichemda. And the Klichemda goes through every parsha of the Torah and discusses halachic uh, topics that are found in the parsha. But it does it in the Polish fashion, which means. Uh, that the uh, real pupil, I mean, he could put the elephant through the eye of an eagle. Unlike the style of learning which today is popular in the yeshivas, which is uh, the uh, brisk Lithuanian style of uh, cold analysis, 
not given to uh, mental flights of fancy, but you should know that there were other types of learning as well. And it could be that your grandchildren will look at us and say, you know, what are we, that wasn't learning, you know, that's not the derech. So I want you to know that there is one derech. So he's the master of the Polish derech. Anyway, once in a while he says a dvar he says a hashkofa theme in the parsha. So he says, for instance, in the parsha of Rashis, so it says that after uh, Adam and Eve uh, have sinned, so it says by uh, the Rabbi Shalom says, where are you? And he says, I'm sorry, we're naked here. Can't appear before you. They both knew that they were naked. Until then, they didn't know they were naked. Now they knew they were naked. So Rashi says, what does naked mean? Rashi says they have one mitzvah, not to eat from the Eitzadas, not to eat from the tree of knowledge. And now they lost that mitzvah. So when the Tzachumish says they were naked, meaning that they were stripped of their mitzvah. So when Mayor Don asks, they had another mitzvah. They had the mitzvah for a they had the mitzvah to, to live together and bring children into the world. That mitzvah they still have. So why did they say they were naked? So he says this insight. He says once they sinned, pruer vu became just sex. It was not a mitzvah. It was like eating or sleeping. The element of emotion, of holiness, of, uh, of, uh, of godliness in the act, that was removed. So when it was removed, so they didn't have it anymore, right? So they were naked. They were stripped. So that's what the Novi says here. They saw your nakedness. So they repelled by you, not attracted by you. Gam hinenocha. Jewish people themselves were brought to a great sigh. Now the word anachah in Hebrew, which literally means a sigh, is more than that. Because I'll say anachah shoveres atzi gufo shalodah. A sigh breaks half the body of a person. So it's, uh, if we're talking about something that's wrenching. And she turned away. She was rejected by all of her lovers. Now, uh, let's skip a few to see another theme that the Nabi always speaks about. What's a good base? Is there a uniqueness in Jewish suffering? Right? I mean, like five million people have died in Africa over the last uh, decade in wars. Civil wars and uh, disease and malnutrition. Oh, isn't that a Holocaust too? So the Nabi addresses that. 
to me, what is most fascinating is that if the Navi stood before us today, he wouldn't have to change a word. He's talking about us, not, you know. That's why the Megillah survived. You know, the Romans don't uh, recite the uh, analogy for the fall of Rome, and the Greeks don't have an analogy for the fall of Greece. And the people in Alexandria don't bemoan the fall of Alexandria. Even the South admits that the Civil War is over. So why do we keep it going? The answer is because if we're talking about current events, there's nobody in the world today that uh, really wants to bring down Rome or Italy or Athens or Greece or it tends to blow up Atlanta, you know, that's not. But we're still where we were. We're as vulnerable as ever, if not more vulnerable. Lo You are passerbys who just pass by in history. You walk by. So don't compare yourselves to me. Is there a pain like my pain? Is there suffering like my suffering? Does anyone have a history of such suffering? That the Rabboni Shalom has brought upon me. That the Lord has created, breathed upon me on the day of his anger. So here the Navi speaks to the uniqueness of Jewish experience. So in the Yud Zion, Parashah Sion Biodeha, Zion has spread out its hand in desperation, and there is no one to comfort them. Again, the same theme repeated. Sivo Hashem Le'akob, Sivo Tzoro. It is surrounded by enemies. Oisa Yerushalayim Lenido Benei. Tzadik Hu Hashem Kipiyo Maris. So there's a concept called Siduk Adin. Siduk Adin, in its formal sense, is the prayer that's recited at every funeral, God forbid which we accept God's judgment, even, even though we never answer the question, why? So it's one thing to be, uh, you know, I've been a rabbi for a long, long time, so everything, you, you see everything. It's not easy to deal with. So it's one thing a person reaches an advanced age, so we're all mortal. But God forbid children or young people or especially tragic circumstances. So then what do you say? So there's this concept of tzidkadim. That somehow we accept God's judgment even though we don't understand it. We may not even approve of it, but we accept it. Now, Mincha uh, and Shabbos we recite a portion of Tzidik Adin, the three psukim that are said after the Shemona Esrei, 
And that's because both Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech died Shabbos Mitzvah. So we accept. We accept mortality. That's basically what we accept, right? Not Simchas Torah. There is a poem that uh, was recited in most Ashkenazic synagogues, but because by then everybody is already half cooked, you know, everybody's so happy that nobody knows what the poem says, or no one reads the poem. But the poem says, Moshe makes Milo Yomus. If Moshe Rabbeinu died, then who will not die? So the poem stresses the essential mortality of all of us. So this, so the Navi here is Mazdik Nadin, Tzadik Hashem. God is right. I don't know how, I don't know what, but he's right. Because I have rebelled against his words. So the idea that also uh, is throughout the uh, Megillah is that there is uh, that there are consequences for everything. No free lunch. For the price. Again, without presuming to read God's mind. But I'm convinced that the Intifada and all the other troubles that we have, you know, that's all, uh, you know, there's a, can't behave the way a lot of the Jewish people have behaved over the last uh, century without paying a price. There is a price. Last week's Parshas, we read, the irresistible urge to sermonize, uh, last week's parshas, we read that the Jewish people killed Bilo, right? Killed the five kings of Midian, and they killed Bilo. So why did they pick out Bilo? I mean, why, why did they kill Boaz, who uh, hired Bilo? Why is Bilo the uh, symbol of uh, the enmity towards the Jewish people? The Meir Simcha, the Orsameach. So he uh, says, great insight. And Bilam came and told the Jewish people a posset that we recite in Rosh Hashanah in the Musaf Monefra. Mohibi Dovin Beako, Loroa Omo Yisrael. God does not see the evil of Jacob, he does not see the Corruption that may exist in Israel. Hashem Elokot Imo, the Lord God is with the Jewish people. The true Hashemelech bow and the trumpet of the king is sounded with the Jewish people. It's a great posset. But in effect, what he said was, you know, God doesn't care. Do whatever you want, right? Moreover, God doesn't see anything wrong. Will he be done in Biyakov? He doesn't see that you did anything wrong. What are you worried about? Why are you so nervous? Does God really care whether your tzitzes have eight strings or seven strings? Have you ever heard that before? You will. God care whether you eat meat and milk together. 
lobster. What does he care, right? Why should God care about anything? And a lot of problems. He's got to run his own universe, right? Got to make sure a meteor doesn't hurt hit the earth. So does he really care? Does he care what two consenting adults do? That's what Bilaam said. Well, he be dumb be Israel. God doesn't see anything at all, right? So therefore, uh, they had uh, a uh, permission from Bilaam. So then when the daughters of Midian came, so they said, well, you know, we'll have a good time because God really doesn't care. Don't make a difference. It makes it inside in with, with, with his daughter of Midian or not. It's just a fling. And that, that's how he destroyed the section of the Jewish people. Undermined them because he told them that there are no consequences. So there are consequences. Now again, no one can, short of a novi, uh, can uh, describe for us the consequences. But there's no doubt that there are consequences. So that's what the Nodi says here. Tzadik v'ashem kifiyu marisi. I have done wrong. So I have to pay the price. Shimuno kalaamim urim achovim. See my pain. What is the pain? B'sulosai v'achurai olchu b'ashem. My young men and young women are taken away from me in captivity. So the, uh, the great tragedy always in Jewish life is the loss of the next generation. I had uh, dinner last night uh, with my cousins from uh, Los Angeles. And we were, uh, our wives, and we were making a reckoning of what happened to our collective family. Because me and I are the only ones that have religious children or grandchildren. The only ones that really remain Jewish. We have uh, many uh, cousins, once removed, twice removed, who are not Jewish. And I'm certain that uh, that experience is uh, widespread in American Jewry. How did that happen, right? My grandfather was uh, Rosh Yeshiva, the founder of Alojan, Rav. How did that happen to us? And that's a tragedy. So our personal tragedy is part of the greater tragedy. And so the tragedy is that, that you know, that, that the next generation got swept away. My Rebbe used to say that uh, how can you measure success in life? So he used to say if your grandparents and your grandchildren are both proud of you, then that's made it pretty well then. But think about it, you'll see that's true. Lord, I bless you, you'll get to my age, you'll appreciate it more. I used to tell this to 14 year olds that it was completely wasted. Now it's only 30% uh, wasted. But uh, you get older, you'll, uh, you know, you'll get it. 
So that's the Novi Bakrain. I lost my children. It's estimated that uh, 9 out of 10 Spaniards have some Jewish blood in them. Oh, good practice in Catholics. There were uh, at least 25,000 Jewish children during the Holocaust that were taken and converted to Catholicism. Europe was full of Jews. I was in Prague. I spoke to the uh, Roman Prague. Roman Prague, by the way, is a convert to here. The Czech was a... Uh, close friend of uh, President uh, Havel. So anyway, he told me that he said, I, you know, we were talking about the Jewish community of Prague. So he says there's 1,500 Jews that he knows are Jews. They're real Jews. There are 5,000 people who claim to be Jewish. But he said there are 50,000 people who could be Jewish. So that's what the Novi decries. That, that's what the, that's the subject here of the tragedy. I called my lovers. They cheated me. They, uh, when I needed them, they're not there. Kohanai uskenai bo'ir gavo. Kohanim, the elders. So here the Novi, again, you have to see the background. Novi, the Novi Yermio was branded as a defeatist, as being a traitor. And there were other uh, false prophets and false leaders of the people who said, Nothing's going to happen. We don't have to worry about anything. You know, we got the Egyptians on our side. Nothing's going to happen here. So he, and those people were in the, the upper classes, who always uh, are unaware of impending trouble. Because they have the most to lose. So they said, uh, well, you know, we'll have enough for ourselves. So he says they're dying of hunger in the streets. He beats you off a loma. They look for food for themselves because he can't eat gold. The Yoshibu Esnafsha. Instead, they expire. Rei Hashem Kitsarli, Lord's not the Novi, the last sukim here, he turns to God and he says, all right, I'm guilty, but they're guilty also. That what right do they have to be uh, so atrocious towards me, so violent towards me? So this again deals with a, a famous philosophical question which exists in the Chumash, and that is why... Uh, were the Egyptians punished if uh, it was decreed that the Jews were supposed to be slaves in Egypt? And Avram Avinu saw that at the covenant of the Brisbane Absorance, and then why should the Egyptians be punished? 
So there are two answers. There are many answers, but two main answers. One is the Rambam and one is the Rambat. The Rambam's theory is explain it like in terms of actuarial science. One of my daughters is an actuary. She worked for a metropolitan life insurance company. So what do the actuaries do? They figure out the probability of how many insurance policies metropolitan life will have to pay out during the coming year. So that they'll know how much cash they have to have on hand. The rest of it they can invest. Now, no actuary, so let's say I'll say uh, 80,000 policies come due. No actuary can tell you which 80,000 policies. But they're accurate within 1% that 80,000 policies will come through. So the Rambam says that is the same thing. God only told Abram that their people would be enslaved. Who will enslave them? God left that up to anybody who wanted to do it. Egyptians chose to do it. They didn't have to do it. That's the Rambam's theory, which is very sophisticated. The Rambam's theory is there's slavery and slavery. You know, you can be nice to your slaves, you can be cruel to your slaves. The Egyptians were not punished for enslaving the Jewish people because that was God's will. They were punished for the cruelty that they had towards them. So here... The uh, Novi says, uh, he complains about the cruelty, good, so we have to be defeated, we have to be taken away in war. But, uh, for instance, the United States occupied Japan and rebuilt it. Occupied Italy and rebuilt it. There's, there's a way to lose a war, too. The Russians, when they uh, took over East Germany and the other satellite countries, they made sure that they felt the, the revenge. So he says, They heard that I am broken, my size, I have no comfort. All of my enemies heard of my troubles, so soon they rejoiced in my troubles. It's not them. You did it, God, not them. A beso yom koroso. You will bring a day and call upon them too. Viu chamoni. Their turn will come also. The long history of the Jewish people, everyone that has oppressed the Jewish people has eventually fallen. That's a lesson that uh, one would think that the world would learn, but... Uh, many lessons that go unnoticed. So in our time, for instance, the collapse of the Soviet Union. The collapse of the Soviet Union was engineered by the Jews, by the refuseliks and the pressure of world Jewry, let my people go, all the demonstrations, everything, that brought down the Soviet Union. I would say, uh, you know, Sharansky is riding around in a Volvo, and he's a minister in the government, right? And Gorbachev is doing pizza commercials. How's that? So we'll see yet, right? Uh, Churchill said that the uh, 
wheels of history grind exceedingly slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. Everybody gets paid. So he says, the novice says, you come only, they'll also feel it, right? They have no right to be that brutal. Friends of mine that have gone back to Lithuania to see, uh, in fact, I have a cousin that went back to see our old hometown. So when he came there, you know, so all of our houses are still there. So he said, so when he knocked on the door of my grandfather's house, so people who opened the door were afraid that he was coming to take the house back. And so we would like to move back to Lithuania. But he said, wherever he went, they all said the same thing. They said, you know, it was a mistake to get rid of the Jews. Because, you know, the countries are nothing. Spain was a world empire before it got rid of the Jews. So in the long run, you Kamoni, they will also experience it. That all of their evil come before you. How they behave. He simply calls for revenge. Let them taste what it looks like. There are enormous forest fires today in France that were set on purpose. People died over there. Millions of dollars worth of damage. The houses, they can't get it under control. So the French president says it's terrorism. Yeah. See how you like it. They burned down uh, two years ago, uh, burned down half the forests in the Galilee. That's not terrorism, that's freedom fighting. We'll see how it plays out. I'm full with sighs and my heart is broken. I want to uh, go to the third chapter. The second chapter is pretty much a repeat of the first chapter. Same ideas. The third chapter I told you was the chapter that the Novi Yurvia wrote in the dungeon. I am the person. I'm not telling you stories. I'm telling you my, what happened to me. <coughs> I saw the afflictions, the shaven of Rosso. I suffered from the whip of anger. I was led into darkness, not into light. Part of being in the dungeon is darkness. That God will return to me. His hand will turn away. So here we have, I mentioned to you, we have three psukim with olive, we have three psukim with bays, etc. 
The Lord placed me in the midst of darkness as though I were dead already. So it's interesting, the Talmud Bavli, the Gemorah, says, that's the Talmud Bavli, because it was created in the exile. And therefore it is obtuse, it's hard, it's dark. It's trying to read without a light. Because it's a product of exile. God is like a bear who uh, lies in ambush. I mentioned you, I just came from the Canadian Rockies. Now the bears come down to fish for breakfast. They position themselves right at the point in the river where the salmon jump. He's waiting for them. The lion crouching in a hidden place. Now that's the description of troubles, being, uh, so to speak, blindsided by events. I was mocked by all of my people. The Nodi was mocked. People said he's crazy. They make songs about me. The Machni. He's Biani Bamrori. I have been satiated by having bitter things happen. Irvani Lana. Lana is a bitter herb, like a vermouth. Very bitter herb. Batiznach Misholom Nafshi. So my heart has no. Sholom here means has no serenity. Ashisi Tova. I've given up that anything good will happen to me. And all he says in his desperation, sitting in the dungeon. Omar, and I said, Ovadnitsky, I have lost my eternity. Popubina, the Sochalti, my children, my generations, Hashem, God has taken all of that away from me. And then he comforts himself in Vosukhov Beit. You have to see this as a dialogue between himself and himself. Between the depths of his depression and then the resurrection of his faith in spite of the depression. So Chobbeit's Hazdei Hashem Kilosomna. God's mercy knows no end. Not allowed to give up. Also, the lesson of Jewish history, the lesson of individuals. A person's will makes a great difference. Two people, God forbid, can have the same disease. One person is strong about it and can be cured, the other person gives up and then the disease conquers. Both get the same treatment. Chazde Hashem Kilosan. No end to the chesed of the revolution. His mercy is never ending. Every morning there are new things. How do we know what tomorrow brings? 
Faith in you is what gives me the ability to continue. Chelki Hashem Omro Nafshi. My share of God is my soul. I'm a piece of God. Therefore, I will pray to him. I will hope on to him. I will not give up hope. Tov Hashem Latova. God gives good to those who hope on to him. Lanefesh Tibishena. To the soul that truly seeks him. Tov Yochil Vidumo. The best thing is to hope into God and do moment to be quiet. Not to say foolish things. The Chuas Hashem. Then one will see the salvation of God. A person should be accustomed from youth to carry the yoke of responsibility. So the Gemara says that we have a choice of yokes. Nobody passes without having to carry a yoke. So you can choose what yoke you want to have. There are people who commit suicide because their sports team lost. In the United States, there are always uh, 200 suicides after the Super Bowl. Because that's the yoke that they're carrying. Pusik says, A person is born for toil. Happy is the person that the toil is in positive things. It does things for Torah, for Jewish people, for humanity. Helps people. I, uh, when I was in Muncie, so uh, Muncie is the best of all worlds because it has a Catholic hospital with Jewish doctors. You reverse it and uh, we have a problem. And the woman that ran the hospital, the nun who ran the hospital, sister, so she was a great fundraiser. I knew her. I remember I was walking once in the hospital in the end of June, and she came running over to me, and she said, Rabbi, she said, can you get me? There's a few spaces left here in the hospital for interns. She said, can you get me the guys with the beanies? She said, because they, you know, it's not a, just a job by that. Because then you're, you're, then you're doing God's work. A doctor is doing God's work. Robeco, right? But if a doctor is only in it for something else, so then that's a different yoke that he's carrying. Same thing is true of every profession, of every walk in life. So, Ashrei Mi the yoke that you carry is that of godliness of Torah, so then that's the yoke, right? But you can't expect to go through life without any yoke. That doesn't happen. So that's what the Novi says, to train ourselves from our youth uh, to carry the yoke in order that our lives will be a positive contribution. 
This concludes this lecture by Rabbi Beryl Wine. J.M. and the A.M. and that lecture bar by Beryl Wine is in the beginning of Eicha, both chapters 1 and 2 here at J.M. and the A.M. Tonight is, of course, Eicha night. It's Erev Tishabov at J.M. and the A.M. Tomorrow we will be here with a kinnah service led by myself and Rabbi David Goldwasser. That'll happen tomorrow morning. Uh, the kinnah will begin at about uh, 7.30. So keep that in mind for tomorrow, especially if you're on the road or not able to participate uh, live and in person in a uh, in a minion tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, Matis will be here. It's our traditional 10th of Av stories of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach Day. Thursday, we're live from Jerusalem. And the Friday from Stay Road, getting ready for uh, an amazing journey to the Holy Land as we keep our brothers and sisters in mind. It is a, a challenging time, to say the least, for everybody in uh, Israel and for the entire Jewish world. And we will be uh, heading to Israel in solidarity with our brethren uh, coming up uh, later in the week. J.M. and the A.M. on this Monday, Erev Tishabov with partly cloudy skies and a high temperature of 85. Same for tonight with a low of 70 and tomorrow mostly sunny, a high temperature 88 degrees. I want to mention, we don't, we don't often spend time before Tishabov talking about events after, but this is a, this is a unique one because, um, it is a, a concert that is dedicated to uh, uniting for Israel. In fact, it's called Brooklyn Unites for Israel. And people like Benny Elbaz and Ronald Lee Ron and Gershon Varoba and Sandy Shmueli are all getting together this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at Asher Levy Park, located at the end of Ocean Parkway near the boardwalk on Surf Avenue and Seabreeze Avenue. Here is an opportunity to show you support for Israel. It's sponsored by the ZOA Brooklyn Region. Everybody is... uh encouraged to be there it is um so important that any gathering for israel get good attendance uh, that's one thing we've learned over the last few weeks and the brooklyn uniting for israel happens with a beautiful concert with benny Elbaz, ronald iran gershon varoba and sandy shmueli co-sponsored by assemblyman steve simbrowitz this wednesday night at 6 p.m at asher levy park located at the end of ocean parkway near the boardwalk surf avenue and Seabreeze Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Information, you can contact the ZOA Brooklyn region, but at this point we're just asking everybody to be there. Put it on your calendar for Wednesday night. Uh, coming off of the uh, sadness of Tisha B'Av, hopefully the Wednesday night concert will bring more unity to the people of Israel in a very high-spirited fashion. So make sure to be there on Wednesday night in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, some of the, uh, the troops, as we've been told, have been... Um, leaving Gaza, uh, but the war certainly continues and rockets continue to fall. Uh, Israel's making progress in terms of uh, eliminating what they'd like to do, which is the uh, the majority or all of the Gaza terror tunnels. We continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel and for our amazing Israel Defense Forces. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. Uh, we'll do our news from Israel coming up and then plenty more here on a Monday era of Tisha B'Av. Yossi Baumol is going to be visiting us from Stay Road. We know how important it is to support the city of Stay Road. We have a, uh, a major event scheduled there for this Friday, the Hachnasa Sefer Torah made possible 
by our friends uh, Dr. Joe and Simon of West Orange, New Jersey. That Achnasa Sefer Torah will be happening this coming Friday afternoon. Friday morning, we're actually going to be uh, recording our Friday JM in the AM from Stay Road. Give you a taste of what it's like that close to uh, Gaza for our brothers and sisters in Israel. It's a very special city, Stay Road. We'll talk about it with Yossi Baumel coming up at about uh, 8 o'clock this morning right here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow is Tisha B'Av. Make sure to join us for our Tisha B'Av Kinnis at about 7.30. And then 2 p.m. at the Isaiah Wall across from the United Nations for Mincha. Details coming up. Galitzal Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Galitzal חשד לפיגוע דריסה בירושלים. כתבנו יותם ברגר. על פי החשד, נהל טרקטור ניסה לדרוס אזרחים סמוך למלון עץ הזית בבירה. תפתי מגן דוד אדום בזירה מדווחים על שני פצועים קל ופצוע נוסף לצב אנוש שהוא ככל הנראה המחבל שנוצרה על ידי המשטרה. כוחות המשדעה מזליגים את האירוע הזה כניסיון פיגוע דריסה. מיד נביא פרטים נוספים. עד כאן. המשך ירי הרקטות לעבר ישראל בשעה האחרונה נשמעה אזעקה בשטחי המועצה האזורית אשכול. לא ידוע על נפגעים. כתבנו רמי שני מוסר שמוקדם יותר פגעה רקטה בקיבוץ במועצה האזורית שער הנגב. גם שם אין נפגעים. הבוקר בעשר הודיעה ישראל על הפסקת אש חד צדדית עד חמש בערב. בכיר הרשות הפלסטינית סייב עריקת אומר כי הרשות מתכוננת למערכה בינלאומית נגד ישראל אחרי תום המבצע בשיתוף חמאס. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. עריקת אמר בריאיון טלוויזיוני כי ההנהגה הפלסטינית הכינה טיוטת תביעה נגד ישראל לבית המשפט הפלילי בהאג. לדבריו התוכנית הוצגה לחאלד משעל והוא ביקש ללמוד את פרטיה. עוד אמר עריקת כי ההנהגה הפלסטינית כבר אישרה את התוכנית. עלינו לבחון מחדש את יחסינו עם האחרים, בכלל זה עם ישראל וארצות הברית, כך סאיב עריקאט. במקביל, שורה של עורכי דין בכירים אומרים כי יסייעו ללוחמי צה"ל וכוחות הביטחון אם יזדקקו לייעוץ משפטי לאחר הלחימה. כתבנו ענבל תמיר. 12 עורכי דין מומחים למשפט פלילי, בהם ציון אמיר, ססי גז, אורי קינן, עדי קידר ונוספים, חתמו על מכתב שנשלח ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה יהודה ויינשטיין וכתבו, נסייע משפטית בשיתוף פעולה עם ארגון חוננו ללוחמי צה"ל ולכוחות הביטחון בכל הדרגים השותפים ללחימה במבצע צוק איתן. החתימה נעשתה במסגרת מכתב ששלחו משפטנים לוויינשטיין, בו הם מצדיקים מבחינה משפטית ומוסרית את פעילות צה"ל בעזה. ורד שחורי, אחותו של סמל אליאב כחלון, זכרו לברכה, שנפל מפגיעת פצמ"ר בשבוע שעבר, ילדה הלילה בת בבית החולים זיו בצפת. כתבנו גיא ורון שוחח איתה. אנחנו במצב עכשיו של רגשות מעורבים. זה שמחה ועצב. התאריך של לידה משוער היה באמת ביום שהוא נהרג. וככה בשיחה עלה הנושא הזה של הלידה שהוא מחכה כבר ומצפה לראות את התינוקת. אוי, זה מאוד קשה לדעת שאנחנו מחכים תשעה חודשים, ודווקא בתאריך שצריך להיות הכי מאושר, איבדנו אח. נהגת איבדה שליטה על רכב ברמלה, וחמישה בני משפחה אחת נפגעו כשחצו את הכביש. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. במשטרה חושדים כי הנהגת שפגעה בצהריים בחמישה בני משפחה שחצו כביש. ברמלה לא נתנה להם זכות קדימה ואיבדה את השליטה על מכוניתה. כתוצאה מכך נפצע קשה ילד בן ארבע, שתי אחיותיו בנות השש והעשר נפצעו בינוני. תינוק ומבוגר, בני משפחה נפצעו קל. כל הפצועים, כולל הנהגת שנפצעה גם היא קל, פונו לטיפול על ידי מד"א בבית חולים אסף הרופא. 
התחזית, מחר עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, מיד בגלי צהל עדכונים נוספים בעקבות פיגוע הדריסה בירושלים. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר. The report is that there was a, according to preliminary information, a terrorist driving a tractor rammed a bus in Yerushalayim and flipped it onto its side. Uh, thank God the bus was empty. It appears there were no injuries. A policeman in the area fired at the tractor driver. Um, a pedestrian is in bad condition. CPR is being performed. There may have been other non-life-threatening injuries. So that is uh, the latest, a, a terror attack in Yerushalayim, a tractor ramming a bus, flipping it on its side. They, thank God the bus was empty. No injuries in terms of the bus itself, but a couple of uh, injuries in the surrounding area. And that, is, uh, that was one of the top stories in the newscast from Israel here at JM in the AM. I mentioned that tomorrow, of course, is Tisha B'Av. We stand here on Erev Tisha B'Av. Tomorrow is Tisha B'Av. We'll have Kinnah service on the radio starting at about 7.30. Myself and Rabbi David Goldwasser. I do remind you that Mincha tomorrow is at 2 p.m. at the Isaiah Peace Wall across from the United Nations. Um, Ashrei at 2 p.m. And uh, everyone is encouraged to join Amcha, the Coalition for Jewish Concerns, and be there as we keep all of the different communities around the world who are in uh, difficult situations in mind, and there are many right now. That's 2 o'clock tomorrow. Please, please bring your sidurim, your talit, your tefillin. Uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow. Isaiah Peace Wall across from the United Nations. It's First Avenue at 43rd Street in New York City. A reminder that Charlie Harari is going to be uh, closing out the uh, observance of Tisha B'Av with a two-hour presentation beginning tomorrow night at 6.30 with our friends at Project Inspire. He is, um, he'll be heard in a variety of places, including right here on jamnam.org and nachomsegel.com. Project Inspire calls it a special Tisha B'Av program. Um, with Charlie Harari and the Project Inspire staff coming off of their amazing Tisha B'Av film entitled That Spark, the Pintaliyid, being shown on projectinspire.com. Uh, the inspirational program called Every Action Counts will be featuring stories and messages how even small actions that we do for others can have effects for a lifetime. Many personalities will be joining in. If you have a story or a small act you've done that has affected the life of another or if you've been the recipient of another's kindness that has had an impact on your life, you can write your story to radio at projectinspire.com. Again, that's radio at projectinspire.com. 6.30 p.m. tomorrow night on Tisha B'Av, Charlie Harari and Project Inspire. You can hear the whole thing, jmnam.org and uh, nahumsegel.com. And uh, as I say, in a variety of places, it should be a very interesting program, as was proven last year. It is a very popular way to uh, wrap up Tisha B'Av. That's for sure. So that's tomorrow uh, on Tuesday starting at 6.30 p.m. I remind you again that Wednesday there's a musical rally. Everyone has an opportunity to stand 
with Israel. Uh, Brooklyn unites for Israel in a concert happening this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at the Asher Levy Park at the end of Ocean Parkway. Benny Elbaz, Ronnie Ron, Gershon Veroba, Sandy Shmueli are all going to be there in concert. Your chance to proclaim that Brooklyn Unites for Israel will be at that venue, a relatively fun venue this coming Sunday, it's coming Wednesday rather, at 6 p.m. in Brooklyn, New York. So check that out and to be part of it. Uh, it is a, uh, again, anytime there's a gathering for Israel, we want it to be as large a gathering as possible. As large a gathering as possible. And don't forget that our friends at the OU, if you go to OU.org, you'll get information. They'll be presenting the live webcast of Kinos essentially throughout the entire day. That's how it works. Uh, and they do an amazing job at it. Go to OU.org. Again, that's OU.org for information about tomorrow's uh, live webcast on Tishabov. And you'll have an opportunity to uh, uh, participate in that unique way with some amazing speakers and really some great stuff. Um, so that's that. Tomorrow morning, of course, uh, Kinnis with Rabbi David Goldwasser. Uh, coming up, Yossi Baumel is going to join us in hour number three this morning. Oh, and I wanted to mention, um, I don't know how appropriate it is to watch it on uh, Erev Tisha because, frankly, it's one of the most amazing and incredible uh, uh, videos I've seen in a long time, but I must mention it. I must mention that um, I had the opportunity yesterday to watch the Bike for Chai video of the world's greatest finish line for 2014. My gosh, what an incredible rush of um, camaraderie and spirit and an amazing fundraising effort. All the all the riders, the cyclists together. Over $4 million for Camp Simcha, an amazing achievement, and just a, what an incredible video. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, check it out. Maybe you want to wait till after Tisha B'Av, because it's a very exciting video. But I do want to give credit to the incredible people who cycled all the way up, all those hundreds of miles to Camp Simcha to uh, raise money, to make a difference. And when you see that video, you'll be inspired by the world's greatest finish line. So we salute Bike for Chai this morning. J.M. and the A.M. are a barrel wine back on our topic of Eicha. Um, we'll do a few minutes of his lecture, then we'll break for Rabbi Goldwasser and more coming up. Uh, Rabbi Beryl Wine on the topic of Eicha here at J.M. and the A.M. One of the uh, great complaints, so with the third parak, and I'm going to begin Kosev Lamed Hay. One of the great complaints uh, that resounds throughout the Nevi'im is against the, the corruption of society or the judicial system and especially the corruption uh, by those who uh, wear the cloak of piety. So the Novi says, Laves Odom Berivo to make crooked a person in his dispute. So uh, the uh, problem with all disputes is that each side not only is uh, convinced of its right, uh, but is convinced that it can use all measures to prove its right. And that uh, it becomes... uh, 
an involvement of ego. There's nothing as uh, traumatic as the Din Torah. Because uh, it's no longer an issue of the money that's involved or whatever else is involved. It's an issue of the two personalities that are involved. People can walk away from money, but they find it hard to walk away from their own ego or self-justification. Therefore, the Gemara encourages, encourages us at almost all costs to avoid litigation. Now, we live in a litigious society. The general society is full of trial lawyers. Everybody's suing everybody else. And that is spilled over into the Torah world as well. But that is seen as a uh, corruption of the system because of the fact that it leads to uh, really the terrible tragedies. In my own uh, life experience being a rug, so I have uh, been a judge on uh, a number of Dine Torah. And uh, the experience has never been pleasant. But there are different types of people. There are, uh, there are people who can accept that the Din Torah, for instance, goes against them. And there are people who can never accept that. And then they'll pursue it, having lost in the rabbinic court, then they'll pursue it in the secular court, and they'll take ads in the paper. There's no end to what they'll do because of the fact that they can't, uh, they just can't absorb the fact that they were found to be wrong. And then there's out-and-out corruption. So the Gemara says that uh, uh, the great Shmuel, whom we, meet, whom we meet in the Gemara often, Gamora Shmuel, uh, disqualified himself from being a judge on a Din Torah because the man let him pass first on the bridge, walking on a bridge, and he let Shmuel, because Shmuel was the great rabbi, the head of the country, he let him go first, Shmuel considered that enough bribery, enough influence, that he could no longer have an open mind on the subject. I was once a judge on a dintower that involved millions of dollars. It was a, uh, a bank in New York, the Jewish-controlled bank, uh, that uh, the defendant had borrowed $5 million from the bank. And he had various defenses as to why not to pay it. The bank, uh, for also various reasons, chose not to pursue it in a secular court. The guy that they sued, the guy that was the defendant, you know, was a real, real uh, sharp businessman, to put a mile. And uh, I felt, uh, I misjudged him. Because I felt that, uh, you know, if the president decided against him, the president would be in trouble. He always, he smacked also of having underworld connections. And uh, so they had the really, uh, the two other Dayonim were 
great, great known American leading rabbis. And we sat on the case for nine months. And there was uh, there were hundreds of documents, and it was really a complicated case. But the end, uh, our decision was that he did owe the bank three and a half million dollars. His defenses on the other million and a half were legitimate, but three and a half he owed it. And uh, we wrote out the decision and everything. The next day, the guy went out. Interesting. The guy went out and took a life insurance policy on himself for three and a half million dollars and made the bank the beneficiary. So that was one positive experience. But for every positive experience, you have a negative experience. It sat in the Vintour between two brothers. Each of the brothers was worth probably $30 million. Their father died and owned real estate, and uh, they could not uh, divide the real estate between the two brothers and the sister that were involved equitably. And they sued each other. They were, uh, don't ask what happened. They spent millions fighting each other, destroyed the entire families, destroyed till today, generations. Cousins don't speak to each other. Nobody. And uh, when we rendered the Psaq Alofa in that case, uh, the person who felt that he lost, even though it was a compromise, Psaq Alofa, but the person who felt that he lost then went to court, the secular court, and sued the, 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 the rabbis for being biased. So uh, you have different experiences. But the system is uh, is given is is really susceptible to corruption, and therefore the Navi says lahatos bishpat gever that's possible amahei to take the judgment of a person and to bend it. Negativeyelion, you do it in front of God, you think that God doesn't care. God is not aware of your corruption. Lave Sodom Berivo, to corrupt the person, to uh, distort justice in his claim. Hashem lo God doesn't see. So the Novi says, Mize Omar Vatehi, is there anything that happens in the world that occurs? Hashem lo that the Lord did not command. The world is not here at random. Mipielion moseitze oros vato. It is from the mouth of God, so to speak, that all things good and not so good emanate. odom chai gever al This is a famous posseg. odom chai. Why should a human being complain? What justification does he have to complain? Geber al-Khatov, when he is full of sin. But the Gemara Darshan this differently. The Gemara Darshan, Ma'yisone nodam chai. Dayoshu chai. 
you're still alive, don't complain. Life itself is a gift. Every day. Every moment. And therefore the, uh, the Torah left very little room for complaint. We read in the Torah, The people in the desert were complainers. Well, they said they didn't like the, you know, didn't like Lanshin or Sameach. They, you know, they said, oh, in Egypt we had watermelon, we had pickles. And here there's no pickle. Can't get a good pickle. So therefore, boom. I mean, in Israel now, this is um, seven years, haven't found a good pickle yet. But that's life, right? But there are people who are destroyed by small things. Again, it's not seeing the whole picture. So in the whole picture of life, my, the rabbi said, Listen, you're alive, you have what to eat. You have a roof over your head. You're doing something. So, keep quiet. There are people in life who are always complainers, who are never satisfied. It's a terrible nature that one should always struggle against. It's the thing that destroys marriage more than anything else. Is the 5% that we don't like in the other person. So that 5% is enough to destroy the 95% why we got married originally. Shlomo Melech says in Kehelas, Isaac Kolhono. You have to see the whole person in life when we judge people. Since there are no perfect people outside of the rabbinate, so it's hard to, uh, to deal with in life. But that's, that's the trick. So let us search our ways. Let us analyze how we got here. What happened to us? We return to the Lord. We'll find our way back. Now, in the midst of this great book of lamentations, there is always an underlying thread of hope of a better tomorrow, of being able to pick oneself up from the floor and go further in life. That's true personally and that's true nationally. Uh, Resilience is the key to success. We all have failures. What do we do after the failure? So the Shlomo Melek says in Mishlei, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakon. The righteous person falls seven times. But Vakon, he picks himself up every time. The difference between the Tzadik and the Russia, and the righteous person and the evil person, the evil person doesn't pick himself up after the first time. Stole once, and now he remains a Ghanaian forever. Did something wrong, he keeps on doing it. righteous person can fall seven times and he picks himself up. There's a resilience that's necessary in life. There's a 
a great civic story that they tell about Reb Levi Yitzchok of Barditchu, the great Barditchu Rebbe. So they say that every night before he went to bed, he would talk to himself. And he would say, you know, Levi Yitzchok, today wasn't such a good day. Did a lot of things wrong today. And then he would say to himself, but Levi Yitzchok will do better tomorrow. And then he would say to himself, but Levi Yitzchok said that last night. And then he would say, but now Levi Yitzchok means it. So in that anecdote uh, lies the philosophy really of being with a good person, a good Jew. To recognize our failings, to say we will improve, and even though we may not have improved yet, but now we mean it, we will improve. One of the great uh, weapons of the Yetzirah is to allow a person to give up on oneself. Because then it doesn't make a difference anymore. Let us carry our hearts in our hands to raise our hands with our hearts in it, to really mean it. El Eilvashamayim, to the God in heaven, then there's hope for us. We have a way out. It's not all lost. Let's proceed to Pasuk Nun Hei. Korosi Shimcha Hashem, Lord, I call out unto your name, Mibor Tachtios. From the depths of the dungeon, I call out to you. Now this is a parallel to what we have in the book of Yonah, which is the book that we read on Yom Kippur for Mincha. So there, he's in the belly of the whale. However, we'll understand how he's there. In the belly of the fish, he's gone. And he prays to God. So a person should never lose hope. That's the idea here. Where it says, The executioner is holding the sharpened axe blade on the man's throat to chop off his head. He shouldn't give up hope yet. In the immortal uh, words of the American philosopher Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over. And uh, there's a lot of truth in that. Now, uh, the Ashkenazic custom on Rosh Hashanah, before the sounding of the shofar, is to read six psukim. That the acronym of the psukim are Kras Sotom, Tear the Sotom, that the Sotom shouldn't interfere with our uh, sounding of the shofar. Now that's a Kabbalistic custom, but it's been accepted pretty universally throughout the Jewish world, even by those who are not so influenced by Kabbalah. Many of the psukim are taken here from Eichel. J.M. and the A.M. are by Beryl Wine and his uh, lectures on uh, Jewish history, in this case the... uh Overview of uh, Eicha, which we say tonight 
Lael Tishabov. It is Erev Tishabov on this Monday at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words. I remind you that Rabbi Goldwasser will be joining us tomorrow for the presentation of Kinnis live on the air at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. That'll happen around this time, around 7.30 tomorrow morning. Kinnis on the radio here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Novi Yermio notes, the Kohanim did not say, Aye Hashem, where is Hashem? Our Chachomim ask, what did the Novi mean when he made this statement? After all, we know that Hashem is everywhere. Moreover, why was there specific criticism that was voiced against the Kohanim concerning this omission? The Talmud in Yuma relates that during the last 40 years before the Chorven Beis Amikdosh, the destruction of the Holy Temple, there were certain phenomena which up until that time had been in effect. However, it no longer took place. The large heavy doors of the Hechel, which up until then had miraculously swung open of their own accord in the morning and then it closed in the evening, they no longer did so. The Ner Maravi no longer remained lit throughout the entire night until the next day. The red thread no longer turned white. And lastly, the Gairul Hashem, the lot for Hashem, did not come up in the right hand of the Kohen Gadol, but rather in the left. Up until that time, the lot for Hashem always came up in the right. The great Goin, Rav Yosef David, cites this particular posuk and notes that the Kohen Gadol should have contemplated what was the reason for this occurrence. The Kohen Gadol should have questioned, Aye Hashem, where is the lot of Hashem that used to be drawn in the right hand? We know that the left hand represents the attribute of din, strict justice. The right is the attribute of loving mercy, rachamim. Yet, Klal Yisrael didn't heed the sign. They didn't reflect upon the deterioration of the relationship with their Father in Heaven. This was obviously indicative of the general spiritual decline. This ultimately led to the destruction of the Beis Amikdosh. Similarly, in our days, when we observe the various distressing situations and the events throughout the world, we should be asking, Aye Hashem, where is the glory of Hashem? Where is our destiny that should be coming up in the right hand on the side of loving kindness? Why is it that at times our lot is switched to the left hand, the one of Din? The Chovetz Chaim once informed a group of people that he was offering a large sum of money to anyone that could find a poor person that was so impoverished that he didn't even have a chair to sit on. Eagerly, an entire group went throughout the town, each one hoping that he would be the recipient of the reward. After a few days of intense searching, the people returned to the Chovetz Chaim. They reported that although they had met many very poor people, they could not find even one person who didn't have a chair. The Chovetz Chaim sadly noted, You should know that Hashem is poorer than all of the indigent people in the world, for Hashem doesn't even have a chair that's intact. The chair of Hashem is not whole. During this time of introspection, we should remember each and every day to ask with great love and respect, 
Ayei Hashem. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. and the A.M. Monday and a meaningful fast, of course, to everybody as well. Rabbi Goldwasser will join us tomorrow morning here at J.M. and the A.M. on Tisha B'Av itself. We'll present Kinnis at about 7.30 tomorrow morning live on the air. Rabbi Goldwasser's uh, brilliant commentary. He'll join us coming up about 7.30 tomorrow morning right here at JM in the AM. I do remind you that there are a couple of events going on right after Tisha B'Av that we have to remind you about. One is the uh, the Brooklyn Rally. That's going to be taking place as Brooklyn Unites for Israel in a concert being presented by Benny Elbaz, Ronald Iran, Gershon Varoba, and Sandy Shmueli. Co-sponsored by Assemblyman Steve Simberwitz this Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Asher Levy Park at the end of Ocean Parkway near the boardwalk in Brooklyn, New York. You know how important it is for there to be uh, large attendance at any rally, at any concert, at any gathering that's a uh, unity concert with Israel. So try to come out, enjoy the music on Wednesday night, a change of pace compared to the last three weeks. And uh, and show your support for Israel. It's uh, sponsored by the ZOA Brooklyn Region. And everyone is encouraged to be there this coming Wednesday evening. I remind you, tomorrow, uh, Tisha B'Av is going to end with a two-hour presentation by Charlie Harari and our friends at Project Inspire. This is something that was met with critical acclaim last year, and it's happening again this year. Tomorrow, 6.30 p.m., Make sure to be tuned in on the stream at jmandtheam.org or nachomsegel.com. And you will hear the uh, Project Inspire presentation about the last two hours of uh, Tisha B'Av. Charlie Harari will be focusing on uh, doing good deeds. And uh, they'll, of course, be coming off this amazing Project Inspire presentation that many people will be seeing tomorrow. So they'll have a chance to relate uh, their words to that as well. So that is happening tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Make sure to spend the end of the uh, of the fast with um, Charlie Harari and company at Project Inspire. The OU is going to be presenting Kinos in a very special service. They do live uh, online every single year. You have a chance to uh, partic- participate and really be part of an amazing presentation. Last year was a an amazing presentation for many hours. Go to ou.org, ou.org. The information about the live Tishabov webcast is all there. Go to ou.org for all the information, and you'll be, uh, I'm telling you, you'll be inspired by a, a great presentation tomorrow. I also remind you that Mincha tomorrow takes place at the United Nations, or I should say uh, more accurately across the street, from the United Nations, 2 p.m. on First Avenue at 43rd Street in New York City. First Avenue, 43rd Street, New York City. Join the Coalition for Jewish Concerns, Amcha, 2 p.m. tomorrow. Bring your talis, bring your tillin, bring sidurim. And that mincha service will start at 2 o'clock tomorrow at the U.N. across the street, First Avenue, 43rd Street, in New York City, Yassi Zablocki is with us live via telephone. He has been—he's uh, basically taken his um, uh, National Jewish Conference Center and has taken it on the road. It no longer is up at Kutcher's, as we know. It is uh, Kutcher's no longer exists, uh, but he has uh, been spending the bulk of the summer at the Hudson Valley Resort. He is heading to Connecticut for Shabbos Nachamu, and he has. 
he has uh, scheduled a uh, Women's Relaxation Week, a Shabbat Chazanut, and a Kalbach Shabbos, all coming up in August. Like I said, there's certain events that we talk about even before Tisha B'Av has taken place, so we're going to check in with Yossi Zablocki regarding his uh, summer of 2014. Yossi, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hey, good morning, Nachum. It's been a while. It certainly has. Uh, it's uh, pretty amazing that even though your home base of Kutcher's no longer exists, you were able to take the National Jewish uh, Conference Center uh, on the road, essentially. Well, the the idea of what I was running over at Kutcher's was, was bigger than just a a hotel. What we were doing is we were trying to do Jewish cultural events where people can go away and have different types of experiences. So even though Kutcher's had closed down, it still uh, left an opportunity for me to be able to just broaden my, my base and, and go to different locations throughout the summer and, and, and during the Chagim. All right, so the, the uh, bulk of your programming is at the Hudson Valley Resort, but this weekend is unique. You're actually taking your Shabbos Nachamu program to Connecticut. Explain what's going on this Shabbos. Well, I figure that one thing that, that kids don't really get to do, kids and families, is to be able to go to those indoor water parks like Great Wolf Lodge and other places in Connecticut that have... Um, that usually have um, mixed swimming, and I thought there was an opportunity to be able to do um, an event where where we we take over a water park entirely for the Jewish community and do separate swimming hours. Um, so that's what basically we have done. There's a water park in Connecticut, a, a resort called uh, Coco Keys Water Park and Resort. Um, it's in Waterbury, Connecticut, and I took over the resort as well as the water park. So we're going to be doing Motsi Shabbos. We're going to do separate swimming hours for men and women, because the entire water park is ours. I figured this was a unique opportunity for people who don't normally get to go to these places, for kids who don't normally get to go to um, indoor water parks, to be able to have the uh, full experience. All right, so that happens this weekend, I'm assuming Friday through Sunday, right? Right, it's a complete Shabbos Nachmu, like I always run, but with the addition of a water park attached to it. All right, indoor water park, separate hours, uh, Motzei Shabbos, a full Shabbos program, the lectures, programming for the kids, etc. People like Chaim Kiss and Rabbi Ben-Sion Klatsko, Rabbi Yechiel Lichtenstein, and the Mr. Shabbos Show are all going to be participating with you. So they'll all be at the Water Park Resort in Connecticut uh, coming up this Shabbos. Yeah, it's going to be a very uh, exciting Shabbos. We also have Onik Shemesh, who's going to be doing a, a Kalbach Kambitz on, uh, on Motzei Shabbos. For people who don't want to go swimming on Motzei Shabbos, we have a uh, Kalbach Kambitz. All right, so you got all the bases covered as usual, that I see. Uh, tell us about the uh, other exciting things happening this summer. When you get back to the Hudson Valley Resort the week of August 11th, you're actually uh, uh, you're actually announcing a special week for women that week. What's that all about? Right, so you know I don't rest for a second. The second yeah. Nachamu is over. <laughs> we're back at the Hudson Valley Resort on August 11th to the 15th. We're doing a Women's Relaxation and Health Week. We have a tremendous amount of of classes um, planned geared specifically towards health and towards women. Dr. Yala Ressler will be there for the entire time. Um, we have uh, exercise classes, whether it's Zumba or Israeli dance or, or yoga or Pilates. Um, we're going to be having classes for the women all really all day long, both exercise classes as well as lectures. There will be health lectures going on um, about cooking, about uh, just living a healthy, healthier lifestyle, breathing exercises, really anything you can imagine in the the world, anything that, that a, a woman's relaxation and health week will need to be about, that's what we're going to feature. All right. Including the full, sorry, including the full service massage 
and spot at the Hudson Valley offers. All right, that's happening August 11th through the 15th, the Women's Health and Relaxation Spa Week with Dr. Yael Respler. Then on the 15th is your annual Shabbos Chazanut, and you are not... Uh, you're not uh, uh, veering from your tradition of putting together a great lineup and really giving everybody, especially those who love cantorial selections, a wonderful weekend. You know, one of the reasons that I do this, this whole program during the summer is to be able to do big Shabbosim like, like a Kabbalah Shabbos or Shabbat Chazadot, and, and this year is no exception. We have Yankee Lemmer, who's our featured um, Chazan for the Shabbat Chazanot. Also, David Kressler is going to be there. Um, Eric Freeman from the CCA is um, is also going to be there. We always usually have three Chazanim, um, and uh, I believe it's also Shabbos Mavarch in that Shabbos, so it should be really an exciting um, exciting opportunity to be able to um, hear a bunch of different Chazanim and a Motzei Shabbos um, uh, concert from the various Chazanim. All right, so that's August 15th, the Shabbos Chazanut. August 22nd is your Kalbach Shabbos, and that's also an annual event that everyone looks forward to. That's right. I, I do one every year. We have uh, you know, Kabbalah, lots of Kabbalah davening Friday night. For me personally, a Friday night Kabbalah davening is, is what I would like to hear almost every Friday night. Um, can't do it every single Friday night, but we make sure that at least once once uh, a summer that we do a, a big uh, Kabbalah weekend. Um, it's the second to last weekend of the summer, so people are still upstate. Um, and then we run, you know, we run, we stay open till Labor Day, and then after Labor Day, I have the Chagim. There you go. And the Chagim means that you will be open. At the Hudson Valley Resort, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Sukkot Torah. I'm the only programmer who, who does the, the less busy holidays like uh, Yom Kippur and Simchot Torah because I keep open the entire time. As far as I'm concerned, it's a service that needs to be provided to the Jewish community for people who can't stay home necessarily for um, for various holidays that they have a place they're able to go to. So even though Yom Kippur, we don't get a huge, huge uh, minion, for instance, at the, at the various hotels, I make sure that we still are there, that we're still offering a name for people who need to be able to go away. And the same thing for Simplest Torah. Simplest Torah is not such a white holiday. It's not as, as busy as, as the first days of Sukkot. I think you've been up with us for the uh, first days of Sukkot when I was uh, operating Kutcher's. Right. But Simplest Torah will still get, you know, a couple hundred people, and so we still stay open throughout Cholomoid and Simplest Torah. All right, there you go. So this weekend, Yassi's a block in his destinations program. Their destination is at the Coco Key Water Resort. For um, uh, for Shabbos Nachamu, there'll be a Matzah Shabbos Kumzitz in concert. Uh, there'll be the uh, a separate swimming in the in the water park at Coco Key. Gourmet meals by King David Royal Catering. That's all happening this weekend. And then when he gets back to the Hudson Valley Resort, he'll have the Women's Health and Relaxation Spa Week starting August the 11th. The 15th is the Shabbat Chazanut. The 22nd is the Kalbach Shabbos. Information about all of this. You can contact Yossi Zablocki at area code 347-480-9670. Again, that's 347-480-9670. Well, Yossi, a lot of people, I'm sure, find it hard to believe that you were able to keep the momentum going even uh, after leaving Kutcher's. But call a to you. Well, you know, one thing one thing that I wanted to mention in terms of being able to keep it going, you're going tomorrow to... Uh, to you're flying uh, tomorrow morning to uh, to Israel, right? right? Still right? Yep. Yes. Um, so I've been running. You know, as as many of your listeners may or may not know, I, I had moved to Israel actually um, some seven months ago and was um, basically taking all my reservations from Israel until I got back to the states um, for Shavuos in the summer. And I really wish that I was flying with you tomorrow. I still have a couple of weeks of programming to do left here, but I wish you the really the uh, 
the safest trip, and I wish I was there with you. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, you know, uh, you've actually made Aliyah, so you don't have to wish anything. You, you've done it all at this point, but I appreciate that very much. Have a very successful summer. We look forward to seeing you soon. All right, thank you very much. Yassi Zablocki, Destinations by Yassi Zablocki at 845-794-6000 or the 347 number that we just gave you moments ago. Check it out and enjoy. Quarter before 8 o'clock Monday morning, JM in the AM. It's Arif Tishabov here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow, Rabbi Goldwasser joins us for Kinnis Live on the air. That'll be tomorrow morning. Um, Mincha at the UN, or across the street from the UN, starts at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, make sure to bring your Talos and Tefillin and Sidurim. First Avenue, 43rd Street, on the west side of the street, across from the UN. Tomorrow at 2 p.m. As we mentioned, tomorrow, uh, Charlie Harari is going to wrap up Tisha B'Av with a two-hour presentation with with our friends at Project Inspire. That happens tomorrow starting at 6.30 p.m. You can listen both at jmnam.org and nachomsegel.com. It will be live, and it should be very inspiring. It was an amazing way to wrap up Tisha B'Av last year, and off that success, they are doing it again this year, 6.30 Eastern Time, tomorrow night. The... um, Rally on Wednesday in Brooklyn is a musical rally. That's the concert that's taking place at Asher Levy Park at 6 p.m. as Brooklyn Unites for Israel. 6 p.m. at Asher Levy Park at the end of Ocean Parkway with Benny Elbaz, Ronald Iran, Gershon Veroba, Sandy Shmoyeli. Please make sure to be in attendance. And a reminder that the OU presents another amazing uh, Kinnis service all day long, essentially. Uh, it'll be a live webcast that the OU does so brilliantly every single year. Information at OU.org. Again, go to OU.org for information. Uh, it'll be another amazing presentation of the Kinnis. Again, essentially all day long and a great way to uh, be inspired on Tisha B'Av. So check that out. A reminder that tomorrow... Um, the Kleinman Family Holocaust Education Center presents a plea for rescue, Lessons of Amuna, Stories of Hatzalah, featuring a special tribute to Mike and Mrs. Hinda Tress. Tomorrow, Tishabov starting at 2.30 p.m. at Ateris Golda, 1362 50th Street in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, that is happening in uh, in Brooklyn uh, tomorrow. Tishabov program at the... Yeshiva of Brooklyn starts tonight uh, with Mariv at 9.05. Rabbi Chaim Walken, Rabbi Tzvi Mordechai Feldheim will present. Tomorrow, Kinnis will be by Rabbi David Schwartz, Rabbi Noach Orlowick will speak, Rabbi Yosef Viner, Rabbi Yaakov Bleich, Rabbi Moshe Tovia Leif, Rabbi Shmuel Dishon, Rabbi Aaron Levitansky, Rabbi Shmuel Yaakov Klein, Rabbi Fischl Schachter. They're all going to be participating at the Yeshiva of Brooklyn all-day event at 1200 Ocean Parkway, 718 Nine nine eight five eight two two seven one eight nine nine eight five eight two two for information about that. All right, lots going on on Tisha B'av, Believe it or not, Wednesday Matis will be here. The annual a tenth of Av stories of Reb Shlomo Kalbach presentation, and then Thursday we will be in Jerusalem. Make sure to be tuned in. Friday will be in Stayrot. Make sure to be tuned in. Thursday, Jerusalem, Friday, Stayrote, and Yassi Baumel joins us uh, from Stayrote 
Uh, actually, Yassi Bamel joins us here in studio. He is from Stayrot. Uh, he'll join us in studio a few minutes from now right here at JM in the AM. So an exciting trip coming up. Make sure to be tuned in all week long right here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Beryl Wine is speaking about Megillas Echa, which we read tonight. Here it is at JM in the AM. Posset is here. Posset Nunvot. Koli Shamata. God, you hear my cry. Altale Moznecha. Don't turn your ear away. The Rav Chosi. Rafosi means to widen me, to allow me to escape, to allow me to have vision. The Shavosi to save me. Koravto biomekoefa. God, on the day that I called you, you did come close to me, the Navi says. I felt your presence. Amarta, and you said to me, Altira, don't be afraid. So here the Novi refers to what he uh, described in the first chapter of Yirmiyot. That's why it's so essential to know Tanakh. You know Tanakh, then you know a lot. You know, uh, you know, you're the people in a book. That's the book. So even though Tanakh is not a favorite subject in the Yeshiva world, for reasons that I have never been able to fathom. In Europe, my father, that uh, lived me well, always told me that in Europe you study Tanakh on your own. So everybody knew Tanakh. They like knew it by heart. Everybody in the yeshivas knew Tanakh. But unfortunately, that statement cannot be uh, verified regarding our generation. But uh, it would be a worthwhile project to take off 10 or 15 minutes a day and study Tanakh. Go through it, let's say, with the parish of the Radak. Or even go through it with the parish of Artsgrove. And uh, Tanakh will give you the, uh, the perspective, the picture of what's involved, what Judaism really is. So, here the Novi says if you, what I told you in the first chapter of Yermio. I said I didn't want to go. I don't want to be a prophet. Who wants to be a prophet, right? You'll end up in jail. Prophets are never honored, not least till they're dead. Like a great artist can't make a living while they're alive, right? When they die, then their paintings are worth money. Someone asked me to sign uh, my book on Pirkei Ovis for them. So I told them only half facetiously. I said, in 200 years, it'll be worth money. All that. So the Novi said, I told you I didn't want to go. Right? I told you what would happen. And you told me, God, Altira, don't be afraid. You, you have to be strong. You have to do it anyway. So the Nabi says this not so much in complaint as in irony. Ravdo Hashem Rive Nashi Goalto Chayoi. Lord, you have to fight my battles. You have to redeem my life. 
So again, this is not only a statement about the Navi's personal life, but it's a statement about the Jewish people generally. That the Lord, so to speak, has to fight our battles too. We cannot rely solely upon ourselves or upon others. That the Lord fights our battles as well. Now the parrot ends, again, uh, the Novi speaks here of revenge. Now, wh- why does he speak of revenge? You know, revenge is not a nice word. It, uh, we're so accustomed, uh, first of all, we're accustomed to think like Christians. Not how Christians behave, but how they speak. But how they behave is a different matter completely. Christianity always preaches, you know, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, never take revenge. So uh, that has crept into our uh, psyche as well. But there are times when... uh, the only thing that works is revenge. When killing Saddam's two sons had a positive effect. When they get the old man, it will have even more positive effect. Get rid of Al-Qaeda. Well, you know, get rid of uh, Osama. It's the only thing that makes an impression. The fact that uh, uh, the... Uh, Top Nazis were executed. Went a long way in convincing Germany that Nazism uh, should not be revived. In fact, that Germany was destroyed. There's a book uh, called the, uh, I think, the Last Days of Berlin, or it's called Berlin 1945. It's a book, a rather recent book, in the last year. Tremendous book. And it describes the mindset of the German people. So you had the German children that were raised in the Hitler youth, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and also like our cousins' children, who were suicide bombers and threw themselves with Molotov cocktails on the Russian tanks, who shot at American soldiers, even though the war was lost. So in war, they were destroyed. They were killing the Americans and the Russians were killing 12-year-olds. But that made an impression. So here the Novi also says, Toshi lev mul Hashem. Tosik mendala, namisamadala. Pay them back. Kamase yadehem. The Lord pays back exactly. Mido Kanegan Mido, measure for measure. God's justice is exquisite. Fite Lahem Ogina slave. Give to them the heartbreak that we have felt. Talosalahem. Your punishment to come upon them. Tirdov Pursue them in anger, misashmidem, and destroy them, metachashmeyashem. So one of the ironies of uh, history is that the Christian church has always proclaimed 
that the Jews, so to speak, believe in the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is vengeance and war. And the God of the New Testament is all love and sweetness and everything. Meanwhile, the Christians have have an unbroken history of murder and blood. And if you have to lose a war, I'd still rather lose it to the Jews than to anyone else. This whole thing, I mean, there's a few things to think about, but this whole thing, there hasn't been one case of rape in the IDF. In Iraq, they got 50 guys up in the stockade already. So, uh, Christian propaganda against, uh, against Judaism, which has been maintained for 2,000 years, has to be looked at and analyzed carefully so that we realize its falseness. Now the fourth chapter is the chapter that is the a eulogy, the Hesper, regarding King Yoshiyahu. And then the Novi re-edited it, so to speak, uh, to cover the destruction of the temple and the uh, fact that uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. Eicho Yuam Zohot. How can it be that gold has become tarnished? Gold is is a metal that doesn't have to be polished. Silver has to be polished. It oxidizes. Gold remains gold, never loses its color. So the Novi says, how could it be that King Yoshio, who was gold, uh, should have become dim, should have become destroyed? And then we take it out of the context of King Yoshio and we apply it to the uh, entire Jewish nation the land of Israel to the temple so then it refers to all of that too. Yishne HaKesem HaTov is good beautiful uh, Kesem is like a it means a spot but it means uh, what you can see this beautiful stain has now become Yishne means uh, a Changed its appearance, lost its luster. The holy stones of the temple now roll in the streets. So, if you want to see that, you can see that if you visit the southern wall. This year, uh, we had a tour of the southern wall in the center, but I don't know if anybody was here for it. That's here now. But we uh, we had a tour, uh, so on the southern wall you can see the stones that were thrown down from the parapet of the temple on the day of destruction. The stones are still there, cracks they made in the sidewalk, just in the road. So that's what the Novi describes. And Eitzion Hayakori, the dear 
children of Zion. Hamusloim bapoz. That were uh, polished uh, like gold. They were as pleasant as looking at fine gold jewelry. How were they treated as though they were shards of pottery thrown in the street? As though they were, uh, the, the, when, when a potter makes a pot, so uh, there are, uh, there's residue that falls. It's not part of the finished product. It's the garbage, so to speak. Here he describes the, the siege where people died of hunger and thirst. More people died of hunger and thirst than died of uh, the actual war. Uh, for instance, after the First World War, more American soldiers died in France from influenza than died from the war. Great influenza epidemic of 1919 to 1920, which, by the way, killed 19 million people in the world. And there was a much smaller world population then than now. So war, so to speak, has byproducts, side effects. The side effect of the siege was naturally uh, malnutrition starvation and thirst. So the Navi says in Pesach test, Tovim hoyu chalalei cherem mechalalei Those who died by the sword were better off than those who died of hunger, because dying of hunger is a slow, painful process. Whereas the sword dispatched the person quickly. And that was true in the the Holocaust too, uh, that uh, hundreds of thousands, not millions of people were killed by starvation, by disease. The hands of women that were merciful women, they cooked the bodies of their own children to have something to eat. Uh, the desperation of hunger is described by the Novi in graphic terms. People ate leather. No limit to the desperation that people can be driven to. Also, you base, Lo Haminu The kings of the earth didn't believe that this could happen because Jerusalem appeared to be impregnable. Generally speaking, any uh, country or empire that exists for a long period of time, so then the, uh, the world thinks that it will be here forever. I mean, if we can imagine ourselves in the middle of the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire lasted almost 700 years. So if you lived uh, in the 400th year, so you were certain that the empire would last forever. In our own time, we see that with the Soviet Union. JM in the AM will continue with uh, Rabbi Beryl Wine. 
and his presentation of Eicha coming up. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. We've been mentioning mentioning a lot of things, a lot to know about uh, tomorrow's schedule and the rest of this week. But one of the things that we've been emphasizing for the last few weeks is that uh, tomorrow, uh, that this week, Erev Shabbos Nachamu on Friday, will be uh, broadcasting from Stay Road. We're actually going to be uh, recording the program in the morning in Stay Road and then participating in a Hachlasa Sefer Torah made possible by our friends uh, Simon and Dr. Joe of West Orange, New Jersey. And we'll explain all of that on Friday morning. It'll be a beautiful celebration, guaranteed. Yossi Baumel is here, and aside from discussing Friday's show, he could also discuss with us what's been happening in Stay Road as close to the front lines as you can get to the Gaza border in terms of a real large Jewish community. And obviously Stay Road has been under fire for years, but I'm sure the last few weeks have been even more intense. Yassi Baumel, good morning and welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. I don't know if I'm allowed to enjoy this, you know, during the nine days, but it's really always a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, I appreciate that. Yes, yes, yes. It's a little bit of a uh, somber mood, but it's been a somber mood for the last few weeks. And uh, as I say, in Stay Road, the rockets have been flying for years. This is not a new development, but I'm sure you could tell us that the last few weeks have been a little bit more intense living in Stay Road. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, as soon as the whole thing started, uh, Alon Davidi, the new mayor of Sterot, our form, the former director of our yeshiva, made a statement. He said, Sterot is the bulletproof vest of Israel. We're used to taking this, and we're prepared to take it as long as we finish the job. We're here on the front line, and we're going to take it. We've just finished the job. How many people and live in Stay Road? There are about 25,000 people, and it goes up every as we speak all the time. And yeah, which is remarkable. That you're in the you know, we had <laughs> we had a, a group of senators visit Stay Road about two three months ago. So Noam Bedin and I, Noam Bedin from the Stay Road Media Center, and I took them around, and we were standing in front of one of the playgrounds where there's a caterpillar that's a bomb, actually the bomb shelter. And you know, first we were talking to them about how no other there's no other place in the world where. People accept the violence every day by play, making a place for the kids to play that's protected. You know, I mean, there's nowhere else in the world where people do that. It's something unique to the Jewish people. Anyway, and then I told them, turn around and look behind you. There were seven building cranes right there behind them, all new building projects going up in Stay Road. You know, and this is, and it's continuing now. We're building even now with the, uh, with the missiles coming over. So overhead. there's still plenty of people who are interested in living there. Yeah, we have, uh, this summer we have a group of over 30 of our graduates who bought apartments, not renting, bought apartments in one of these new projects and are moving in, and this is happening all the time. It is unbelievable. Um, you, you mentioned the attitude that uh, your mayor has that will be the bulletproof you know, vest or the bulletproof shield for the rest of Israel. I mean, it, it can't be that all 25,000 residents feel that way, or am I wrong? The majority, in fact, do. You know, you mu- there must be some people who don't feel that way, but right. I can tell you when we had the uh, 50 people from the OU mission last Shabbat, a week and a half ago, um, we, I was walking with uh, Rabbi Weinreb and Rabbi Weil and a few other people through the streets. We stayed in our, uh, on our, uh, we stayed, our, our yeshiva has become an army base, so we, we stayed at our branch, which is a newly finished dormitory and uh, Beit Midrash, 
uh, just about 10 minute walks. We had a walk from there to the yeshiva, and on the way, people hear us talking English in the street, come up to us and say, tell the people back in America, we're strong, we're used to this, we're going to fight, we're going to stand up, we're going to win, and thank you so much for coming. And it was like unbelievable people, you know, little old Moroccan ladies, and, you know, it was just an uh, unbelievable experience. So the spirit of steroid lives on, to say the least. I think the spirit of steroid has spread out to the entire country. And how many, uh, I mean, not that these things need to be quantified, and plenty of people are following it, but many, many rockets... Many missiles coming in on a daily basis, right? Yeah, people ask me. You know, I, I, there are times when there you have a break. I remember last week, in the middle of the week, uh, a great Jew named Kurt Rothschild from Toronto, who's been so active in helping so many different organizations hook up to people to, who can help them. He asked to be taken to stay road because there was a Canadian mission coming that day, and he, he wanted also to talk to us about how he could help us out with something. Here's an 85-year-old man living in Yushalayim, recent Oleh Hadash from Toronto, and he, he doesn't move too quickly. You know, I've taken him in my car, and I drive him all the way, picked him up by Yeshurun Shul in the center of town in Yushalayim, drove him all the way to stay road. He was there for hours on end, walked around, went around, met with the people, and went back. And here I'm thinking, well, if there's an alarm, if there's right. a siren, it could be difficult. so I have to stay with him. Right. And I thought to myself, is that fair to my wife and kids? You know, right. that I, it's, uh, these are dilemmas right. that we live with every day. And thank God, during his entire visit, there were no sirens. You know, but as you know, with the last time we spoke on the radio, there was one in middle of the uh, middle of the uh, interview. Uh, we, I had to run into. I, I was very afraid that when I said I got to go, that you would hang up on me. But I just meant that I had to run into the uh, bomb shelter. The entire campus by us is bombproof, except for my office, the office of the secretary, and a few other places. So, uh, um, but they move since we're building. They moved my caravan a little closer to the bomb shelter, and I have to make way for the next dormitory. So, I, it's, I, I and I. So I had my knees replaced so I can run quickly into the into the uh, bomb shelter. Listen now. to your attitude. Very similar to your uh, fellow residents of Israel when it comes to all of this. Because I know that it's not just they wrote. Obviously, uh, tens and hundreds of cities are being bombarded, and yet people are 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 supporting the prime minister. Are you know hoping for this war effort to really destroy Hamas? and are ready to make whatever sacrifice possible to make that happen. You know, before when you said the somber mood, and for a second I thought to myself, what is he talking about? Then I remembered, you know, we have uh, 60 boys who were killed, right. and a lot of people injured, and it's very, very sad, but there is such an unbelievable spirit in Israel. Every parent of every soldier who fell, who speaks at the, at the funerals, are so strong and give so much strength to the people of Israel. It's an unbelievable feeling. Uh, people tell me that at least since the Sixth Day War, there has not been a feeling in the country like that, and maybe even not in a long, long time. So this is a historic summer. We keep saying it's a historic summer, but in, in many ways beyond just what's happening on the ground, it's a historic summer in terms of the unity of what's happening in Israel. I, I, th- I mean, there's millions of little stories. Just someone told me a story yesterday that the Rosh Shiva of one of the... Uh, uh, one, of, one of the American shivas in, in Yerushalayim told over that somebody was coming to uh, spend the summer with their, with their kids who were learning in yeshiva and they have off Ben Azmanim and they had a cancer, they decided to cancel their trip to Israel because they were going to spend time with their son touring the country but uh, they had to tell the people who were renting the, the apartment that he's in Miluim. He says, you're Miluim? You guys are Haredi. What do you mean Miluim? He says, yeah, my son is not leaving the yeshiva. He's sitting and learning straight through, and he's not going to go touring any with me, so I'm going to come back you know, uh, you know, a little later. But you know, and, this is, and the non-religious owner of the apartment said, forget about the cancellation fee. There's no problem. Your son is, your son is on the front line just like the rest of us. And those are the things you hear all over. Things that you wouldn't even hear from me, but, you know, but uh, it's just unbelievable, the spirit, and there's some of the 
people who are leading that spirit are also uh, the commander of Givati uh, Ofer Winter, who's just been unbelievable uh, in standing up for Jewish spirit and Jewish pride. You know, people say, uh, you know, most of the people are not religiously observant. They forget that 85% of the people say they believe in God. And, right. you know, when, when English soldiers go into battle, they say, for the queen. Right. If they say for the queen, we can say for God. Right. That's okay. Agreed. Yossi Baumel is here. It's Erev Tishabov at JM and the AM. We'll be in Stay Road Friday, please God. Um, people want to know what you need. Does Thero need anything specific right now in terms of uh, people who want to earmark funds for your city? Uh, there's no question about it, but I want to preface this. I want to yeah. say I've never been a fan of the sky is falling, give me money approach to fundraising. And what I'm doing here really is not at that, and of course I'm raising money, and of course we need money. However, what I'm doing is, is thanking the people who gave us till now, because all, what, the people who understood the situation all along and helped us and stood with us don't understand how much what they did is, has, has such fantastic effects. The fact that we have a bond-proof campus uh, in Steyrot has caused us to be the center of activity. I mean, we're the, we're the official army base of a special forces battalion uh, that's 600 strong sleeping in the yeshiva. Okay? Now, they wouldn't come there if they couldn't have most of their soldiers in protected areas. Right. Not all of them are. The commander whose, whose predecessor had died, was killed in a battle two days before they came to our yeshiva, and he spoke for just for a moment on Shabbat uh, there. He's sleeping in my office, which is not protected. He wanted his soldiers, as many, many as possible, to be sleeping in protected areas. But the fact that we have a bomb-proof campus has such a tremendous effect on everything. So, yes, that's why we have 600 soldiers, and yes... The army is bringing them, um, you know, our field rations. But right. last, this past Shabbos, when I was not there, I know that we served 700 meals to many hundreds of soldiers and others who are there. Their families are coming to visit them because it's a safe place to come and visit. You can, you're, wherever you are, you can just pop into a place. It leads to strange things. For example, there was one night when I was running to the bomb shelter when there was a, a siren, and I see three young ladies scantily dressed jumping into one of the yeshiva dormitories, something, a scene that sort of, sort of seemed surreal to me, you know. But what was <laughs> It. There were soldiers there, and their families were visiting, right. and then the, and the alarm goes off, and everybody's into you know you're in a lawn that's surrounded by all these bomb-proof dormitories. You just pop into any room, and you're safe. So you know this is an unbelievable thing that we can help the IDF that we can and feed these people. We had the Shabbat of two weeks ago when uh, the OU came with 50 people uh, from uh, the United States and it was organized. Avi Berman f- did a fantastic job and the OU was organized, you know, just almost overnight and 50 people came and they came into the Beit Midrash and they saw hundreds of yeshiva students, hundreds of soldiers. Many of them have never been a shul in their life. We had a long Kalbach davening, and you see these guys staring there with their mouths open, and then all of a sudden joining the dancing. And then we're dancing, and then all of a sudden two soldiers are lifted up on chairs, and I asked why those soldiers picked that out of everybody else, and they said they're in the middle of Shevabrachas. They just got (sighs) married this past week and left their wives, and we want to give them a little good time. And we sang Yassi Salaych Alokayich, and we were dancing with them. It was just an unbelievable thing. Everybody who was there, and there was an article in Hamodi about this, and Rabbi Wild wrote about this, and other people wrote about it. Everybody said it was the most unbelievable including people who have been with me in Shabbat Chayesara and Hebron, they said it was the most unbelievable Shabbat they ever had in their life. It was just an unbelievable thing to see. And, you know, it's a strange thing because here we are, Yeshiva, and here we are, the cars driving up on Shabbos to visit the non-religious 
families visiting the non-religious soldiers, people on their phones and everything going on. And yet there's this unbelievable feeling of unity and sense of purpose. And, uh, and it's just, you know, it's just an unbelievable thing. And I think a lot of the people who are coming on these missions, everybody asks the same questions. What can we do to help? And, right. we'll get, and we'll get to that. But the most important thing is not, the, not the res- what needs to be received, but the people want to give. They want to touch. And a Jew everywhere feels that he is part of a nation, and that nation is over there in Israel, and they want to tap into this unbelievable spirit of unity, of sense of purpose, of uh, of. of of rejoicing that, and rejoicing in the fact that we can defend ourselves after 2000 years. Yossi Baumel is here. It's Erev Tishabov. A little strange to talk about a celebration later in the week, but with all this going on, and as we said, with a very challenging time and with emotions going, you know, from one direction to another in Israel and especially in places like Stay Road, we do have a celebration coming up Friday and we acknowledge the uh, amazing contribution of uh, Simon and Dr. Joe of West Orange, New Jersey. Their Sefer Torah is now in which synagogue in Stairot? It's in the Ethiopian in the synagogue. In the Ethiopian synagogue yeah, in yeah, Stairot. Yeah. What happened was, it's, you know, I don't know if I told you this, uh, Nachum. First of all, I have to thank you in front of all your uh, <laughs> listeners that you were the one who hooked us up for the Sefer Torah. I gave you a ride back after the Beit Arot dinner. Right. And I told you about how after the elections in Stairot, how the new mayor wants to keep his his campaign promises to all the various people. And I went to meet with the Ethiopian community to learn about their needs. And they told me they don't, they don't even have a second Sefer Torah. And their first one is not in such great shape either. I said, wherever I've worked, people have been trying to like give away. If everybody wants to write right. a I can't believe you don't have an That's the first thing I'm going to do. And then I saw you and I met you. But what you don't know is that I was in Dr. Joe's house for Shabbos just a few weeks <laughs> before that. You know, And I didn't just think of that connection. And you made that connection. It was an unbelievable thing. So we're looking forward to a really special celebration. Um, Elon Davidi really is trying to help a lot of the different communities we're working on, a, on a, the sh- and the yeshivas in the forefront. We're actually helping build the Bukharian shul uh, in Steroid that Arik Sharon promised would be built when the first first uh, victims of uh, missile terror fell in Steroid. One of them was a member of the Bukharian community, and he promised the shul would be built. It's still not built, but it's being built right now under fire. So that's one thing. And, this, and when I met with the Ethiopian uh, community, they need a community center and a shul and whatever, and we're trying to work with these people. So uh, it's just unbelievable, the unity uh, that you have in Steroid, which really reflects the unity that's now all over the country. I mean, we have in Steroid, besides our uh, the Garin Torani and the Yeshiva community, which is, I think, 350 families already uh, in Sterot. You have many other ethnic communities, and they all even there's even like a labor party type uh, is in urban kibbutz, and everybody works together. We're working together on our project for the uh, Sterot uh, Heritage Center, which is a visitor center that's going to enshrine the feeling that we have in Israel now. Even though we planned it in advance, it's the idea of the of the courage of the combination of the front line, the combination of the people living in the area uh, in the northwestern Negev, how they settle it, how they stand up against terror, and the, with the IDF there as well all the time. Also, the idea of understanding how important heroism and courage is to the history of Jewish people and to the future of Jewish people. First of all, I'm glad that you're uh, helping ensure the promise of Ariel Sharon. That's very interesting. He uh, <laughs> he, made, he made a guarantee there'll be a Bukharian synagogue, and you're carrying that through. That's very nice. Secondly... Uh, will Friday, so, and we'll talk more about this on Friday, but it, it, will it be unusual to me? Will this be like a regular Hachnasat Sefer Torah, or because this is the Ethiopian community, there will be things I will not recognize that are going on during I the ima- celebration? I imagine there will be things that we don't recognize, even I, and I've, I've had kids who've done Sherut Lumi and others working with these communities. 
Uh, so it should be very interesting. It should be interesting. Uh, I, but from, from the schedule, you'll have to tell everybody about it in the next Monday morning, right? Because the yeah, the, but yeah, we could yeah. Facebook and tweet yeah, about right. it and all that stuff and put yeah. pictures up so yeah. people could see what was going on even before Shabbos. Yeah. And um, and the other thing is that uh, I didn't realize that we helped. Uh, uh, the mayor keep a campaign promise. For that alone, I hope he's there on Friday. Oh, for sure. <laughs> At first I asked him, I said, three weeks ago, I said, listen, or four weeks ago, I said, listen, on Friday, you know, and whatever, we're going to be there. He says, ask my wife. I don't know. Then, but uh, he's going to be there. there. Not only is he going to be there, you know, uh, I, people ask me, you know, after Tisha B'Av, usually the shiva, you know, the boys go home. Right. So I said, if the Haredi shivas are learning through the summer, then I assume that we are hosting soldiers and helping the community and being there all the time. We're not going home either. So, uh, wow. Oh, oh, boy, it's amazing, the commitment that's being made by so many. J.M. and the A.M. with Yassi Bamel on this era of Tisha B'Av. Friday will be in Stay Road for the big celebration, but you hear what's going on there. It's not just a celebratory atmosphere. It's one of amazing unity. At times, unfortunately, there's uh, some somber conditions, and of course, there's rocket fire on a constant basis. You actually see, just to give people a perspective, your office is how many miles from the Gaza border? Uh, we're f- we're in the part of the state that's far away from the Gaza border. It's about a mile and a half. A mile and a half. Yeah, that's far away. Which means if you're on the yeshiva's roof, you could see all the activity that's going on in Gaza. Uh, we had a guest from Chicago about two, three weeks ago, and we we're sitting in Rabbi Fendel's office on the top floor of the yeshiva. And the building is protected, and there are windows facing there. And as we're talking, we see, you know, in- interceptions in front of us and columns of smoke. And and the noise, uh, usually it's good noise. It's noise that we, our forces are doing right. their work uh, that you hear. But uh, the Friday night that we, we, we were in Sterot with the OU group, all day was quiet because it was a ceasefire, more or less, you know. With, uh, but uh, all night it was just nonstop bombardment. And, and, you based, hear everything. and based on what we see from the red alerts... Uh, Ashkelon, Ashdod, especially Ashkelon, right? Ashkelon is getting hit very hard over the last couple of weeks, correct? Well, the areas that have really been hitting hard are the Eshkol region, which is the area next to the um, Gaza Strip south of Steyrot. Right. And the areas closer to Steyrot are really getting hit by shells. And those shells are much more dangerous because basically there's no warning and there's no protection against the shells. When you're that close and they shoot uh, what's called in Hebrew... Uh, Neshek Tlul Maslul, which means low, straight uh, trajectory missiles, as opposed to missiles that go up in the air and that could be intercepted and come down again. A shell is shot directly like a rifle bullet almost, and there's no protection against that, and that's taken a pretty heavy toll uh, in the areas. I know my own my own son-in-law is uh, serving, hopefully he's getting out today. He's a company commander in Givati, and uh, my daughter had not seen her husband for a couple of weeks, and then they let people this past Sunday... Um, go to th- these areas that are outside the Gaza Strip where the soldiers meet them, and she saw him and whatever. But then the next day, that's that was a site of a of a uh, shell attack, uh, artillery shell attack at that area, and it's 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 quite dangerous. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. How to help? What should people do if they want to help and stay roads and they want to okay, continue first, to help first, gold stay road? First of all, all the people who want to send food and pizzas and stuff like that. Okay, we're not against food. We're food. We're we ourselves are feeding a lot of soldiers right now, uh, and we also are delivering pizza to people. But I I don't want to send stuff to people who don't need it. So I, we're not like saying, okay, send us money, and we'll find someone to give a pizza to. That's not what we do. We had, for example. Two weeks ago on a Sunday, 
we have all our boys in the yeshiva have friends who are in the army, okay? Mm -hmm. So therefore they have close friends that are in the entire area spread out through the Gaza Strip. So anybody who needs anything, they call up their friend in the yeshiva and we're sort of like a depot for this sort of thing. So there was a near arm the, the night before the uh, tunnel attack against the Iran when five boys were killed. The night before they said there's some kind of supply problem. They're not going to be getting supper there. So right away we uh, organized pizza there and we found someone even to give a donation for it. But I don't want to take money from people for just to deliver pizzas just like that. We are feeding people nonstop and if people want to be partners in that, they can send small donations, big donations at uh, sderot.org, S-D-E-R-O-T, S-D-E-R-O-T dot org slash English, or if you end up on the Hebrew site, just press the English button, and you'll see pictures of what's going on there. Uh, so first of all, yes, that there, and we have in our yeshiva right now from the people of Israel, and it's on our website, you can see the five levels of boxes piled up in, in the office, in the lawn of everything you can imagine, toothpaste, underwear, food, it just there's no end to the stuff that people are bringing and that we're sending out to our network of soldiers throughout the area. So really, the Jews of Israel are taking care of, of the immediate needs uh, of these people in an unbelievable way, and uh, the way I, I, the way that you can help is by helping those organizations that are that are in, on site and doing those things like Stay Road. Stayroad.org, S-D-E-R-O-T dot org is the best way to give online. And as you heard Jesse Baum will say, anybody from uh, uh, this area or from any area who wants to uh, contribute, your contributions will certainly go very far. They are feeding a lot of people. They just, uh, it's not always the best strategy to just arrange for pizza deliveries. It's a, you got to do it at the right time when it's really needed, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously you're there, um, with your staff to supervise that. JM and the M on this era of Tisha B'Av will be in Stay Road on Friday as part of this amazing journey to the Holy Land. Um, you know, people, not, not that, not that I want to paint you as a military expert or as a governmental affairs expert, but people want to know when this whole thing is going to come to an end. What did you think yesterday when you heard that the soldiers are starting to leave Gaza? Um, I, my initial reaction was surprise and uh, a bit upset. After going through all this, all these, all this time, we want to finish the job. On the other hand, the fact that Lieberman and Bennett both voted for the same thing means that I think the Israelis are still have something up their sleeve. In other words, this is not just you know we're pulling out and that's it. There's something going on. I don't know. I even have some ideas I don't want to say because maybe they're right and maybe I don't want to give away. But I think, first of all, they don't want to continue on with the soldiers in the inner urban areas right. as long as they know that they destroy the tunnels more or less. So they've retreated to a strategic area within the Gaza Strip, uh, two, three kilometers from the border, not, and not, not any deeper, maybe even less. And I don't know. But you know what? Uh, People, a lot of people have been criticizing Netanyahu for agreeing to ceasefires and not doing the finishing off the job. You have to understand, and today the latest news is that there is uh, the the uh, PLO, the uh, Fatah Abbas, has spoken with uh, the Hamas about going to the war crimes court uh, to sue uh, Israel for war crimes. And you have to understand, that if you have a nuclear bomb... And I can say, abracadabra, don't use that bomb. And you don't use the bomb because I say abracadabra. That means the person who has a mouth has a bigger weapon than the person with a nuclear bomb. That's our world today. The strategic weapons today are the UN, the New York Times, uh, the, the legal, the warfare, the lawfare, that what's called, right. and all this stuff. And Netanyahu again and again and again has agreed to these things in order to make it clear to the world that they don't want peace under any conditions. So until uh, now, 
And you know, there's an interesting thing. You know, on one hand, 65% of the people said Netanyahu is handling the, the doing his job well, which is down 10% from last year, last week, but still unbelievably high. On the other hand, 85%, which is down, I think, from last week, want them to continue on and finish off the job completely. So how do you explain that? So I think the state of Israel as a whole is holding its breath and relying on its leaders because they're doing a pretty good job. On the other hand, we want to make sure that at the end that there's some kind of real conclusion to this. Uh, I entitled my talks throughout the area this past week, Concrete Results, for like three different reasons. Uh, one was we want to see concrete results. One is the tunnels, which was a concrete result from the concrete that we sent them. But the most important concrete result is the results of what we can do for the community because we have concrete bomb-proof campus. And you know, I just mentioned one, but there's a lot of other things. I know there was a story that went around about how there was a wedding canceled right away at the beginning right. in Ashkelon, and uh, Mechi Fendel called them up and said, make the wedding in our bomb-proof dining room. Uh, we have uh, boys going around, help shopping for the people, uh, giving out um, these uh, beepers that are, um, you know, vibrating beepers for people who are hard or hearing. We have, uh, you know, for older people, even in their own homes, to run within 15 seconds into a protected room is not an easy thing to do. So we have a we have a kolel for senior citizens in a bomb shelter. They get lunch. They get shirei Torah. And this way, their families know that for half the day, they're in a place. They don't have to run anywhere. They're sitting there and having a good time, and they're they're protected. You know. So all these things, uh, the fact that we have our our students there and are, they're operating the city's uh, emergency control center, where they have these. They they really upgraded it since the last war. That has like twenty plasma uh, flat screen TVs all over, so you can look all over Sterot, and you call up people you need help, and they, they, our boys are running that that thing. Uh, uh, now as well also. So the fact that we have a bomb-proof campus has played off in spades so much uh, now, and that's why rather than saying, okay, we need we're in middle of, we're trying to finish off a dormitory right now, it's very very important to finish off the dormitory, and we're try- working very hard to finish off another bomb-proof dormitory and I'm sorry that I'm thinking in the back of my mind that we'll be, we'll be needing it down the line unfortunately, the way things look and so you know, people should know that their ongoing support of all these organizations that are doing really good things is more important than reacting to some banner on some website. That, oh, you know, the sky is falling, give me money, you know, and everybody's trying to jump on the bandwagon. There are people who are out there, not only Stayrot, but many others who are out there in the front line doing these things all the time. And now is the time to express your support by them, by coming to visit, by, by continuing to, to donate, but to know that those people who have given till now have done such an oh, unbelievable awesome thing for the state of Israel and for the IDF and for the people of Sterot by just having bomb-proof uh, uh, campus there. And the building's unbelievable. JM in the AM, Erev Tishabov, Sterot.org has all the information about uh, helping out. We'll be there, Rezrat Hashem, Friday for the big celebration. We're looking forward to that being a big highlight of our trip to Israel. Um, anything else you want to add, Yossi Bamel? Anything else to uh, tell us? I, I just a little, a little uh, spiritual uh, thoughts sure. on, on the situation. You know, uh, if you look back over the years, it seems that the wars of Israel try to come around the time of the Shemitah year. Um, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, both were either a few months before or after Shemitah. The Second Intifada broke out on Erev Rosh Hashanah of Shemitah. And the Gemara says that uh, the, in the, in the seven-year period that Mashiach comes, in the sixth year there'll be voices of, of war, the seventh year there'll be war, and then after that seventh year, the Mashiach comes. Now, I'm not saying anything, I'm not a prophet, and I don't know what's going to be, and this could be a long haul, not only this operation, but it could be, who knows what, but on the other hand, 
the people of Israel are like a living organism that want to be redeemed. And every seven years, except for the seven years that Shemitah that followed the expulsion from Gush Katif, where there was nothing was happening, you know, that we. But every seven years, there seems to be some kind of something happening. We want to be redeemed. We want we want to bring peace to ourselves and to the world at large. And this is just another interesting uh, development. Uh, I remember over the years, many times in the summer, we would go on vacation in the Galil or even to uh, Gush Katif in the good old days, that there would be tension like leading up to the Shnat Shemitah year. That's, that, that's an interesting thing. So uh, it'll be good. How long are you staying in Israel when you're coming out? Be there a week. Just a week. Uh-huh. Okay. You never know. Maybe you'll be staying longer. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. There you have it. Um, Yassi Baumel. Uh, stayroad.org for information. We'll be there as Ratashem Friday for the big celebration. Are you, uh, doing any more speaking or are you just heading back at this point? Um, I have a few meetings today and then I'm heading back to, uh, tomorrow night to make sure that I, my friend who's coming to Stayroad on Friday is uh, taken care well, of properly you. just for you. <laughs> um, and, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, that besides the uh, steroid.org, the seven one eight six seven three four nine four five that reaches me anywhere in the world, seven one eight six seven three four nine four five. Uh, I'm a one-man office, basically, so uh, that's, I'll answer your phone. Just remember that if I'm in Israel, it may be uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. All right. There's something else I wanted to say, but I forgot. I'm, so, I'm getting, you know, on in years. What's that number again? 718-673-4945. 718-673-4945 if you want to make a donation or you want information. Uh, and I would highly encourage people to come. Uh, you know, again, it's the people have this desire to come. They want to tap into the spirit of Israel and to see what's going on over there. That's a good it's not only only to help those people. The people of Israel are strong. It's that you belong to us also, and you got to be there also and to take part in it. Yeah, you know we're believers in that. Yassi Baumol, JM in the AM, wishing you a meaningful fast, and uh, hope to see you Friday and celebrate together in Stay Road. JM in the AM at 25 minutes before 9 o'clock on this era of Tisha B'Av. Reminder, by Goldwasser and I will present Kinnis live on the air tomorrow morning. Our service begins about 7.30. Make sure to be tuned in if you're not able to be in shul. Uh, that's happening tomorrow morning at 7.30. Our friends at the OU will be presenting and will be conducting another brilliant uh, live webcast of Kinnos all day long, essentially. If you go to OU.org, all the information is there. OU.org regarding the Kinnis service Coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, Project Inspire will broadcast a special Tisha B'Av program hosted by Charlie Harari and the Project Inspire staff coming off of their amazing Tisha B'Av film presentation entitled The Spark, the Pintalayid, being shown on projectinspire.com. The program, entitled Every Action Counts, will feature stories and messages how even small actions we do for others can have effects for a lifetime. Last year, Charlie Harari uh, did this with Project Inspire. It was an amazing way to end Tisha B'Av. It starts 6.30 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, you can catch it both at jmnam.org and nachomsegel.com. We highly recommend it. It is an amazing way, as I say, to close out the observance of Tisha B'Av. Mincha at the U.N. is tomorrow, across the street from the U.N., 43rd and 1st, tomorrow at 2 p.m. Make sure to be... Uh, uh, to be there with Talos and Tfilin and your Sidurim. It's tomorrow at 2 p.m. It is always an inspiring service. First Avenue at 43rd Street in New York City. The conclusion of this segment of Ibero Wines lecture on Eicha as we continue at JM in the AM. Tremendous book.
And it describes the mindset of the German people. They had the German children that were raised in the Hitler youth, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and also like our cousins' children, who were suicide bombers who threw themselves with Molotov cocktails on the Russian tanks, who shot at American soldiers, even though the war was lost. So in war, they were destroyed. They were killing the Americans, and the Russians were killing 12-year-olds. But that made an impression. So here the Novi also says, Toshi Lev Mulashem, Tosik Mandala, Nami Samadala. Pay them back. Kamasa Yadeha, the Lord pays back exactly. Mido Kanegan Mido, measure for measure. God's justice is exquisite. Give to them the heartbreak that we have felt. Your punishment to come upon them. Pursue them in anger. And destroy them. So one of the ironies of history is that the Christian church has always proclaimed that the Jews, so to speak, believe in the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is vengeance and war. And the God of the New Testament is all love and sweetness and everything. Meanwhile, the Christians have have an unbroken history of murder and blood. And if you have to lose a war, I'd still rather lose it to the Jews than to anyone else. This whole thing, I mean, there's a few things to think about, but this whole thing, there's never been one case of rape in the IDF. In Iraq, they got 50 guys up in the stockade around. So, uh, Christian propaganda against, uh, against Judaism, which has been maintained for 2,000 years, uh, has to be looked at and analyzed carefully so that we realize its falseness. Now the fourth chapter is the chapter that is the, the eulogy, the Hespit, regarding King Yoshiohu. And then the Novi re-edited it, so to speak, uh, to cover uh, the destruction of the temple and the uh, fact that uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. Eicho Yuam Zohot. How can it be that gold has become tarnished? Gold is, one, is a metal that doesn't have to be polished. Silver has to be polished. It oxidizes. Gold remains gold, never loses its color. So the Novi says, how could it be that King Yoshio, who was gold, uh, should have become dim, should have become destroyed? 
then we take it out of the context of King Yoshio and we apply it to the uh, entire Jewish nation, to the land of Israel, to the temple, so then it refers to all of that too. Yishne HaKesem HaTov this good, beautiful uh, kesem is like a, it means a spot, but it means uh, what you can see. This beautiful stain has now become, yishne means, uh, it's changed its appearance, it's lost its luster. The holy stones of the temple now roll in the streets. So if you want to see that, you can see that if you visit the southern wall. This year uh, we had a tour of the southern wall in the center, but I don't know if anybody was here for it. That's here now. But we uh, we had a tour... uh, so on the southern wall, you can see the stones that were thrown down from the parapet of the temple on the day of destruction. The stones are still there. The cracks they made in the sidewalk, just for the road. So that's what the Novi describes. The dear children of Zion. Amusloim Bapoz. Polished uh, like gold. They're as pleasant as looking at fine gold jewelry. How were they treated as though they were shards of pottery thrown in the street? As though they were, uh, the, the, when, when a potter makes a pot, so uh, there are. Uh, there's residue that falls. It's not part of the finished product. It's the garbage, so to speak. And here he describes the, the siege where people died of hunger and thirst. More people died of hunger and thirst than died of uh, the actual war. For instance, after the First World War, more American soldiers died in France from influenza than died from the war. The great influenza epidemic of 1919-1920, which, by the way, killed 19 million people in the world. There was a much smaller world population then than now. So war, so to speak, has byproducts, side effects. side effect of the seed was naturally uh, malnutrition, starvation, and thirst. So the Navi says in Pesach Tess, Tovim hoyu Those who died by the sword were better off than those who died of hunger, because dying of hunger is a slow, painful process, whereas the sword dispatched the person quickly. And that was true in the, in the Holocaust, too, uh, that uh, hundreds of thousands, not millions of people were killed by starvation. 
disease. Possibly, Yedei Noshim Rachmoniyot Duishlu Yaldeya. The hands of women that were merciful women, they cooked the bodies of their own children to have something to eat. So the desperation of hunger is described by the Novi in graphic terms. People ate leather. No limit to the desperation that people can be driven to. Also you base. Lo haminu The kings of the earth didn't believe that this could happen. Because Jerusalem appeared to be impregnable. Generally speaking, any uh, country or empire that exists for a long period of time, so then the, uh, the world thinks that it will be here forever. I mean, if we can imagine ourselves in the middle of the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire lasted almost 700 years. So if you lived uh, in the 400th year, so you were certain that the empire would last forever. In our own time, we see that with the Soviet Union. Everybody believed that the Soviet Union would go on forever, right? When we always were looking for ways to conquer it. No one, no one saw that it was about to implode. So the same thing, uh, Judah, the Jews had been in the land of Israel uh, 900 years. And they, had, uh, they were a strong country. So lo haminu malchiyaretz. Nobody believed that it could fall. Kol All the people of the world, they were not convinced that somehow Judah was susceptible to be destroyed. They did not believe that an oppressor, an enemy, would be able to enter uh, the gates of Jerusalem. I mean, in our time, uh, the Jews were in Eastern Europe from the uh, from already uh, the 13th century. So you're living in one place 700 years. The little Lithuanian town where my father should live be well comes from, so our family lived there for hundreds of years. We were the rabbis in the town for hundreds of years. So if you live in the same place for hundreds of years, you're always going to come you're going to be there forever. But it didn't work out that way. Took uh, seven, eight hundred years to build. It was destroyed in four years. So the novice remarks upon that phenomenon that the nature of people is to believe that what was will be. So we have that, by the way. That's a halachic principle. It's called chazoka. It's a principle. That what was, is, and will be. So, for instance, there's a principle in Allah uh, that if a person is missing, he is still presumed alive because he was alive yesterday, so why should he be alive today? Even though we know there always comes a day when he won't be alive anymore. But that's a halachic presumption. 
Azoka is a presumption, a legal presumption. We presume that what was still is and will be. But we know that that presumption is subject to change. Therefore, uh, even in Halacha, there are other factors that will negate that presumption. So why was it destroyed? So the Novi says again, because of the sins of the prophets. Here he means the false prophets. People who uh, gave glib answers. He said there would be no problems. Avonos koaneha, sins of the priests. And we discussed that before. The priests, instead of being the symbol of godliness, uh, became technocrats. Just a job. Ashoti Bikirba Dam Tzadikim, who allowed the blood of the righteous to be spilled, meaning who allowed this corrupt society, they were part of it. Again, the study of Tanakh will reveal to all of us the fact that the social society is very important, how people behave towards one another. There's a famous piece in the Meshachachma, the Meir Simcha, in Parshas B'Shalach. The, uh, the Pesach there describes the Jewish people entering uh, into the Red Sea. It says, V'amayim lahem chomo. And the water stood like a wall. So the Gemara mentions that the word chomo, because again, the study of the text, the word homo should be spelled ches mem, ches vod mem hey. And it's spelled ches mem hey. The vod is missing. So the Gemara says, so the word, when you look at it, is chemo. Chemo means anger. So the waters were in anger with the Jewish people. That it says that God, the waters were ready to drown the Jewish people as well. So Gemara says, why? Because Jewish people were idolaters. The angels in heaven, so to speak, and this is the way the Gemara portrays it, the angels in heaven say to God, the Egyptians are idolaters, the Jews are idolaters. Why are you saying the Jews are drowning the Egyptians? Zelo fair. Where's the sense of justice in? So the Gemara discusses that God, so to speak, saw potential. Sometimes you have, uh, if you're uh, an educator, a principal, the head of a school, and you have a, a student that uh, really is causing you a lot of problems, but you decide to hang on to that student because you see potential be somebody. Sometimes you have a student cause you a lot of trouble and you see that, you know, nothing's ever going to happen here. So you would treat the two in a different fashion. One you would expel, the other one somehow you try and nurse through. 
So that was the difference between the Jewish people and the Egyptians. But Rameir Simcha says a tremendous idea there. And that is, he says that an individual is judged on observance of mitzvahs. Judge on the level of Ben Odom Lamoko, not just Ben Odom Lachavera. But he said the Jewish people as a whole are judged on the basis of Ben Odom Lachavera, on the society. What kind of society do they have? So he says a remarkable statement there. He says, Afilu Iyu Rov Yisrael Machalale Shabbos. Even the majority of the Jewish people are not Sabbath observers. But if they're good to each other, they're kind to each other, if they're honest to each other, if they have some sort of good society, so he says, Yovah Hashem Slovach Lohem, God will forgive them. God will outweigh them. But when they're destroyed internally, when the society is corrupted completely, so then uh, that's where the punishment comes. So he says, for instance, that's the interpretation. The Gemara says that at the time of David HaMelech, when David HaMelech went to war, so even though they were all observant, they were righteous people, they were led by David, the Tanakh records for us that the Jewish army suffered substantial casualties. Yet when they went to war under Ahab, the king of the northern ten tribes, who was an idolater and married to Izevel, and who persecuted Elio Anovi, so there the Gemara says we see in Tanakh that they suffered almost no case. want to remind everybody that on Wednesday, even though we're not really in the mode of, uh, of discussing Jewish music yet, on Wednesday, there is an event, Brooklyn Unites for Israel, which will star Benny Elbaz, Ronald Iran, Gershon Varoba, Sandy Shmueli, and more, co-sponsored by Assemblyman Steve Simberwitz, Wednesday at Asher Levy Park, at the end of Ocean Parkway near the boardwalk. Everyone is encouraged to be there. The ZOA of Brooklyn is the uh, sponsoring organization. Uh, you can contact them for information. Of course, if there's an event that um, in its title says Unites for Israel, we want to make sure as many people as possible are there. It's very important. So th- in this case, it's a concert, Wednesday night, 6 p.m., Benny Elbaz, Ronald Iran, Gershon Varoba, Sandy Shmueli, and more. Please be there and show your support. The bake sale that everyone seems to be talking about at the home of Stacy Siegel to benefit Yashar Lachayal is happening this Thursday between 4 and 9 p.m. You can contact her for information or any of the hundreds of people that seem to be volunteering either as bakers or as buyers for this coming Thursday when we'll be in Israel. Uh, I'm proud to say that we'll also be associated with an amazing fundraising effort for Yashar Lachayal, uh, who are doing great work, of course, with the soldiers in Israel. Starts at 4 p.m. until 9 p.m. on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Get your inquiries in and, I guess, uh, get your orders in for your favorites, whether it be a challah or a pound cake or, uh, or pie or whatever else the expert bakers are preparing for this coming Thursday. Reminder that tomorrow is, of course, Tisha B'Av. Our Kinnis service begins at 7.30 a.m. with Rabbi David Goldwasser. Make sure to join us right here 
live on the radio. Uh, Wednesday, Matis has our 10th of Av stories of Reb Shlomo Kalbach annual special. That's happening on Wednesday. And, of course, Thursday, we speak to you from Jerusalem. Friday, the big celebration in Stay Road. A wonderful week where we get to express our solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Israel live and in person. Make sure to follow us on our Facebook update page, Nachum Siegel Network. And make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. And... Um, uh, we'll have those programs for you from Israel. Very much looking forward to this amazing journey, which will conclude when we greet, uh, help greet the uh, Nefesh Benefesh trip this coming Tuesday morning at Ben, uh, I should say a week from tomorrow morning at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. So that's happening, uh, as part of this amazing journey to the Holy Land. And again, uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and keep up to date. Mincha at the Isaiah Wall will include a presentation tomorrow by Yassi Baumel. Yossi Bamel, who is with us this morning, has been invited to be one of the speakers tomorrow at the Isaiah Wall during the Mincha service on Tisha B'av. Bring your talis and tefillin and your sidurim. The entire Mincha service begins at 2 p.m. across the street from the United Nations on First Avenue at 43rd Street in New York City. So make sure to um, to be there and enjoy the different presentations and all the inspiration as we keep in mind our brothers and sisters around the world who are in areas of distress, and there are many at this time, and of course, we keep in mind our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land as well. And I remind you that Charlie Harari is going to wrap up Tisha B'Av starting at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow. 6.30 p.m., Charlie Harari on our stream at jmnam.org and nachomsegel.com in a program that, again, he is doing with Project Inspire. He did it last year. It's really an amazing way to close out Tisha B'Av with a great level of inspiration. Uh, Charlie Harari and his friends from Project Inspire, tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. You can catch it at jmnam.org, nachomsegel.com. And again, it's an amazing way to close out the Tisha B'Av observance. I hope everybody takes advantage and defines it inspiring and enjoyable. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world in the web, JM and the AM and dot O-R-G. And that will close out our Erev Tisha B'Av program. Join us tomorrow. Kinnis begins about 7.30 with Herbie Goldwasser right here at JM in the AM. There is no uh, Israel show today. That will return uh, Bezrat Hashem next week with Mayor Weingarten. But our stream will feature appropriate programming for the nine days continuing at jmandam.org. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel, wishing everybody a, a meaningful and easy fast. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel, reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.